Well, the news has really caught up to us, hasn't it? Oh, boy. <laughs> it's been chasing us for after, weeks. After 100 short years, mm -hmm. uh, there has been another death, another man that we all greatly admire, yes. which means that that's right, boys. It's a emergency podcast. Oh! Emergency po you haven't heard this noise. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, oh wow. Is yeah. that a new? Wow. Yeah, this Love. Uh, there's always new sounds. All three times that I've used this, <laughs> I didn't like that. Yeah, I, I didn't like that at all. Well, it doesn't like you. Okay, it has said <laughs> nasty things behind your back. Uh, but yes, normally we record on Sundays, but today we are recording on Thursday, November thirty. No, we can't give away the secrets <sighs> of our production schedule. We are located because <laughs> on a boat. On a boat in the, in the middle River. of the yeah. Hudson River. Um, yeah. But yes, we, 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 of course, are celebrating the death of Henry Kissinger. Uh, rest in shit, you yeah. horrible fucking man. Yeah. yeah. He died. He died. He sure did. And it's good. Uh, R.I.P. Heinz. And that was his actual first name. AJ, Heinz Kissinger. I think you found something that you hard sort of... Ketchup would come out. Yeah. Mm. I think... Still does. <laughs> 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 So full of it. <laughs> I think you found something, AJ, that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, right? uh, no. So this was this was a uh, this is an obituary okay. that I found to be uh, particularly apt yeah. for our dear departed Henry. Uh, and it goes a little something like this. Leading actress and minor parts in major new musical. Wait a minute. <laughs> Job details. Okay. Description. What? New musical starring Aaron Lazar, Norm oh. Lewis, Tim Howard, Doug Krieger, and introducing James Good. Oh, we oh. Have more, like, more like James Bad. <laughs> more help. Okay, okay. We have auditioned. Also, sorry, this is an obituary, right? Just yeah, make no, sure. Yes, it's, okay, it's, yeah, it's yeah. an obituary yeah, for going. something. Okay. Uh, we have auditioned over 1,500 singer/slash actresses for our leading That's lady. That's a lot. We have auditioned unknowns, huge Broadway stars, and even movie/slash pop stars and not found the perfect girl who can find the place within her Sorry. to open and sing from her heart and soul and hit low alto notes and high soprano notes all and sentence. make the producers cry. In that perfect girl's name Henry Kissinger. <laughs> the part requires a full voice belt to mm. be in E flat above high C. Whoa. Okay. And head voice A flat above high C. In addition to the lead role we are looking for a couple of guys and oh, one more okay. woman to play hey, minor roles. We're a couple of guys. Well, we can, we're we can submit for this. We're yeah. making trouble in Kissinger's neighborhood. We're a thruple of guys. That's, 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 oh, that's gonna that's gonna get us some some fan art. Uh, <laughs> I the, sure fucking hope not. The women would sing two parts: a okay. child's mother, eight measures, and about oh. forty measures oh. of a sadistic nurse giving a shot. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, wait. Eight, eight bars of an average human mother. Yes, yes. We, we need we need the mother. greatest human talent on all. All of planet Earth to yes. sing 48 measures in our musical. Yes. Yes. For the minor parts, not for the main role. This is a oh, separate. These are, these are OK. This these, is, are, these are two separate roles. Wait, yeah, so I gotcha. sorry. I, I, I'm sorry to keep interrupting the flow. Mm. This is no, a very strange obituary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We're getting to we're getting to the accomplishments. Don't yeah, worry. Interestingly, the person who wrote this died 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
There's been a post on Playbill yeah. in 30 back, years. Back when, back when Henry Kissinger was only 70 years right. old. Yeah. The men would be playing soldiers, a pretty yeah. decent amount of singing, and you need to <laughs> keep up. Decent. And decent. sound as good as the four Broadway legends listed above. Right. One of the soldiers no could these be legends. female too. There's no way these people are involved, right? This is this no. is like a classic, like I don't pay anything, it's non-union. I'm the most delusional man alive. You see this on backstage all the time, but like he fucking yeah. name dropped Norm Lewis. Yeah, I was gonna that, say in the listing said guy. that when you're singing, you need to be able to hang with Norm Lewis when you're singing. Yes, and I don't Aaron, think so. Well, here's the thing: they do have a demo recording mm. of Aaron Lazar doing one of the songs. Okay. Uh, it's called "Without You," and you know what? Thank God, there's finally a song called "Without You" in yeah. musical theater. Right. Yeah. Uh, I prefer the minor characters come from Boston. <laughs> However, <laughs> you could come from anywhere. We cannot pay travel for the minor characters, but if we oh, hire okay. you, we will give you $150 a day per diem okay. on top of pay if outside of New England. What? Alicia, the leading lady, could come from anywhere on Earth. Anywhere and on travel Earth. travel will be paid if we find her on Earth. Oh my god. <laughs> it's been a journey. A couple <laughs> rules, as this is our second time right. advertising rules? the show. Number one! Okay. We are yeah. not going to respond to everyone. Oh. The casting department okay, yep. is not going to respond to anyone who even remotely sounds like they are auditioning us. What? We're go just going to delete your <laughs> just entry. There's a lot of people submitting being like, this seems like it's not legit. <laughs> uh, but anyway, here's my submission. You like, can, no, we're totally legit. You can audition us, read the script, listen to the score if you want a Tony, or ask us about the project wait sorry say that again you can do these things if you want a tony yes yeah that's why you're scouring playbill for what seems to be the worst job opportunity what of all time all right keep going keep going number two okay if you are auditioning for a minor part send your normal reel of singing okay. if you're auditioning for the lead you're gonna send my abnormal reel of singing <laughs> <laughs> I, I've made one off of this podcast. Uh, if you are auditioning for the lead, I highly recommend you sing the song Never Enough from Greatest Showman. If you can't no. sing that song and blow no. people away, you won't get this part. However, if you are not able to prepare that in time, maybe you're traveling for holidays maybe. and not in your home studio. It is, it is in fact, December. Yes. yes. Then make Start of the arguing season. Yeah, yeah. About it. Then make sure when you submit your reel you are singing a song with at least a high d belt preferably an e flat or f and let us know the timestamp. we are hoping to look at ten thousand unknown singers and we will not kill our budget in auditions the age of the girl is 24 in the show i would suggest women audition between the ages 21 and 35 this man just wants to have sex with of course. whoever this is going to be yeah, yeah, yeah. he only has sex with people who can belt an e flat yeah <laughs> Same. Uh, lastly, we are in the process of a hundred and fifty million dollar raise. Raise? Yes. Broadway shows cost twenty five million, yeah. and the most expensive ever, Spider Man, cost seventy million. And that did so famously well. good production. Yeah. That that was really well controlled in terms of its. Yeah, cap everyone cost. likes it. Everyone I love, liked it. I love the pivot of the most expensive ever Spider Man cost seventy million immediately into do not waste our time. <laughs> if you are not professional okay. and make commitments you cannot keep, yeah. it will not be good for your career. Okay. If you 
you get this part, Tony Award winner, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you how to do your career, Tony Award winning yeah, yeah, actor. Yeah. If you get this part, you will become the biggest star in the world. Oh my God. What? This as is as far as job end date, it is listed as end of May. However, it's an average four day job after preparation for the lead. What? Union after membership, not necessary. It's just a single one to four hour session for the minor parts. What? what? Most of the cast on this record will be in the final show. What? However, this audition is for the album to help <laughs> us raise the most ever raised in history for a theater show. <laughs> the $150 million Broadway production. Duration, November 30th, 2023 through no end date. <laughs> Salary, $500 to $1,500 per day. Oh, yes. Wow. He is survived by his family. <laughs> Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that pays five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars per day. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's, and I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, you know, if this is your first time listening to our show, welcome aboard. Uh, AJ's just been shouting this whole time. Yeah. So I got very excited. Well, yeah. it was excited, and when you get excitable, it's great. Yeah. Uh, th so this is the worst of all possible worlds, and every week we do a case study in the pop culture of a dying empire, mostly and, this one. And we are now on year three. Mm of memorializing <laughs> the surprise attack on Pearl Harbor. And we will continue to do this every year until it is rebuilt. Uh, I just, Harbor, uh, <laughs> you mean? Yes. yes. Ryan, I have great news for you. <laughs> what? It's back. In pog form? <laughs> Pearl Harbor is back. I don't mean the NFT collection. I already uh, lost my shirt. Uh, I, know, the, the I mean the Pearl real harbor, harbor yeah, 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 yeah. which has never again been inhabited by anyone. No, no, no. <laughs> Passing around the hat to raise funds to raise the USS <laughs> Arizona. Why is it full of cum? It's so weird when you think about like all of the monuments in D.C. were in fact funded that way. Mm. Like the Lincoln Memorial was people putting dollar bills into a hat for like 75 years before it actually got completed. Huh. It's crazy. It's crazy what we used to do before anyone got like taxed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> now, that, now that I'm thinking we're about going, it. And we're going back there again, too. Yeah. I, guess so. I mean, and now that I think about it, like the biggest surprise attack we could pull is not do a thing about Pearl Harbor next year. Mm. You mm. know, that would be that's, our Pearl Harbor. Yeah, that's a really interesting idea, AJ. And I reject it. I reject it out of <laughs> what hand. A, what else? What other media besides this? What's left there's a, AJ, a, there's so much I, there's a is P, there really there's a pc game <laughs> I, so oh wait josh i play i no. remember playing a game i didn't own this uh -huh. game i was at my friend's house and he had a game i don't know if it was a medal of honor game or something mm. but there was a game where you could play both sides of the Pacific Theater, including a level where you could bomb Pearl Harbor. Was this? Did you a, ever play this game? It was a turn-based strategy game, or no, it was a it was a flying game, like it, Top Gun or okay. something. Okay, I mean know? the the thing, the game I was looking at, I think was also a flight simulator, so okay. it could be the same game. Okay, I was like, I, I just didn't know if maybe you had played this and knew the name because <laughs> no, I had no, no idea. It was just earlier today. I was actually scouring the web to be like, okay. well, what else can we talk about in future years? Because this is not a bit, folks. Uh, no, I mean, it is a bit, but like a bit. for the past three. So years, 
one bit we actually can commit we, to yeah, all we three of us. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we yeah. have continued to review media about Pearl Harbor. It, yeah. the, the first year we talked about some episodes of the Christian children's radio drama Adventures in Odyssey with yep. Nate Bethea. And those were one of those episodes was about the attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah, because it, but it's not the only one. No, there are there are other Odyssey episodes that involve the attack on Pearl Harbor. But then last Aloha, year, oh, indeed. last year we watched Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor uh, and that yeah. episode was actually released on December 7. Yeah. This year, I thought it might be interesting to take a look at Tora Tora Tora, which is a movie that is probably one of the better known films about World War Two. It's yeah. certainly the best media that we've covered for Pearl Harbor. Yeah, true. True. I mean, it may be the best total as we continue on through the many years that this will continue to run. We might make you watch yeah. the 1970s miniseries Pearl, AJ. Who knows? And, and <laughs> Who I knows? just I just want to be very clear that that, that Tora Tora Tora, the film, it is not a rambunctious musical set in a rabbinical school. No, no. Where, where people have star-crossed lovers. They fall in love with each other. This is, yeah. in fact, a... That would be awesome. That would that, be that really, really, really I need really that. I need uh, that. This is, in, this is, in fact, a film that was a co-production with America and Japan yeah. working yeah. together to make a pretty accurate account of mm-hmm. the day of December 7th, sure 1941. One might say didactic. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. You ever want to watch guys reading documents? <laughs> we got a film for you. So yeah, this this is a really interesting point in our history because I think if you were making, if you were alive in the middle of the 1940s, you would never imagine that such a movie as this would ever be made with cooperation yeah. of of the Japanese film industry, the Japanese government, even with consultation from the guy who planned the whole attack yeah. out. Yeah. That would be like getting bin Laden to make the, the nine 11 movie with Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone, maybe he would do it. That would be kind of fun actually. Oh, well, oh, RIP. Well. Like RIP <laughs> bin Laden. You killed far fewer people than Henry Kissinger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, it, it has precedent. Uh, at the time that Tor 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 comes out, which is 1970, this movie feels a lot older than it is. It I think. really yeah, does, doesn't yeah, this it? Is, this is a creaky, but, creaky uh, machine. Daryl Zanuck produced a movie in 1962 called The Longest Day. The Longest Day is a movie about Normandy, the, the invasion of Normandy Beach. And it was done with three directors, one Brit named uh, Ken Anakin. One American or Hungarian American, but, you know, he was American at that point, uh, Andrew Martin and one German, Bernhard Vicky, who okay. later did the movie adaptation of Friedrich Dürrenmatt's play The Visit, which we oh, did an episode shit. about. Wow. Uh, so Anakin directed most of the stuff on the Allied side. And then a little bit, there was some stuff shot in America that was done by the American director. And Bernhard Vicky did all the stuff on the German side so that you have a German and allied perspective of June 6th, 1944. Right. And th- that can get very tricky when, when you have two entirely separate productions because like yeah. make it feel like one film. Right. Because, I mean, even stuff like the Hudsucker Proxy is like the one that left to mind. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's Coen Brothers that, and Sam uh, Raimi. Yeah, it's it's Coen Brothers doing most of the film and then Sam yeah. Raimi being like a second unit director. And then it's like, it is so funny how it's like, it's a Coen Brothers movie and then very briefly it's a Sam Raimi movie and then yeah. it goes back to being a Coen Brothers movie. But and it, you don't really feel that in this movie very much. You don't no, feel that they are two separate productions. They do feel very much of a whole. Other than the Japanese these parts just feel like better. better. They yeah, just infinitely they better. Just have yeah. more energy to yeah. them. The Longest Day, this D-Day movie, was released in two versions because they really didn't 
trust that Americans were going to watch a movie where there were foreigners speaking foreign languages in subtitles and everything. Sure. Uh, so they got the German and French actors to do two takes of everything. One where they would do it in English and one where they would do it in, in German or French. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, but it turned out the one where they were actually speaking German and French was the more popular one, even in the United States. So well, that became the version that stuck. And presumably it was a big hit. because they actually knew how to speak the language. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and it's people can read subtitles, it turns yeah, out, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's deeply weird how Netflix always pushes the dubbed version of mm-hmm. like uh, of live action shows. I think it works OK in animation because you can kind of make yeah, it work. Yeah. But it looks really weird it's, it's when you're odd. trying to like dub over like actual actors. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the episode of Kill James Bond that I was just on was was a dub of a horrible <laughs> fucking Italian spy movie. Oh, hell yeah, uh, dude. And the, the, it was so good because the main guy who's supposed to be like the cool James Bond type. Yeah. All he does is he talks like this. <laughs> I remember watching, uh, there, there's a Sondheim musical called Passion and it's based yeah. off of a, a lesser known Italian movie called Passione di Amore. And I remember the first time I found a copy of that movie online, you know, before even like 2010, it was like, like on YouTube the whole thing was dubbed and there were exactly two voice actors for the entire for movie. everyone. No every way. man was one guy and every woman and child was this one lady. <laughs> Horrible stuff. <laughs> Horrible stuff. That's so, like the good old days of video games. Yeah. <laughs> what, is yeah. It, what is this? My interstitials. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then we, we, we have this. There's this romanticism towards Japan that that kind of always existed. There's a reason that uh, Commodore Perry went there in the first place. There's a reason that Ulysses S. Grant was like a big fan of no theater. And even before the war, Japan is a very popular subject. There was an American journalist named Lafcadio Hearn. Yes, that was his real name. He you went heard to of him. <laughs> he went to Japan and uh, wrote a bunch of very popular books about uh, Japanese folk tales, daily life in Japan. These were really, really popular books in the United States, mostly unknown now. They're very popular in Japan now, actually. Mm. Oh, wow. After the war and during the occupation and when we get them to get a new constitution and everything, there's this sort of influx of Japan-infused movies. Probably the most famous one out of the bunch is Sayonara, which has a a noted Japanese-American actor, Ricardo Montalban as a Kabuki actor Oh, uh, and Marlon Brando and Marlon Brando also did Tea House of the August Moon where he played Japanese. He does not play Japanese in Sayonara, but like he he really had quite (laughs) the gambit. Like he he really ran the gambit when it came to playing other races. You know, it's just what you did at that point. It was just everybody's got like a thing. Well, and that's also what makes this movie so interesting, right? Is that. This is a movie where all of the Japanese characters are played by Japanese actors. And, and not the, even Japanese-American. No, Japanese, Japanese actors. Yeah. Yes. And and so there is a certain authenticity here. Yeah. And I think to, to the point of like, you know, cross-cultural pollination or whatever you want to call yeah. it, of course, a big piece of that was the fact that the United States... With the occupation, there was a lot of back and forth going on in terms of the various military bases that the U.S. established, as well as the uh, governmental cooperation in terms of sort of rebuilding Japan after World War II. And so in the wake of all of that cultural overlap, you're starting to get more pop cultural overlap as well. And another big part of this, too, is is uh, if you listen to blowback. 
you, you've maybe listened to their season about the Korean War. And yeah. a big part of how we got the Korean War to get popular support in the United States was cultural. Right. It was pushing a mm. cultural basis for this, you know, the anti-communism and everything. But it also meant that we got very friendly with Japan a lot faster. Right. Because we started sure. to use Japanese resources in our incursion on the peninsula. So in 1965, then we actually get our first Japanese American co-production, at least that I'm aware of um, a movie called None But the Brave. Okay, this is the only movie directed by Frank Sinatra. You are looking at a scene from an important new Warner Brothers picture. It has many surprises. Perhaps one of the most interesting is that Frank Sinatra not only stars in the film, but also makes his debut as a director. In combat, a fighting soldier is taught to hate the enemy. Maybe you have to hate a little before you can pull the trigger when you see a human target in your sights. And it works pretty good when the enemy is a faceless stranger on a battlefield, but what happens when he has a name and a familiar face, when he's somebody you know and respect? Can you still pull the trigger? Now, that's something very few can answer. None but the brave. He's, yeah, he's the star of it, too. Oh, of course he is. Uh, you know, he, th- this, this was his does point. Does he get you know. into fights? <laughs> of course he does. Does he get into a brawl uh, like in the Manchurian Candidate? It's like after the Manchurian Candidate, we're, we're seeing Frank Sinatra in quite a few movies. He produced like 10 movies. This is a movie that he also produced. So he, he did everything here, just like Orson Welles. Uh, the sure. movie is... Oh, not good, but uh, <laughs> Number the Brave has a fantastic screenplay. It is a firmly anti-war picture, okay. um, co-produced with Toho in, in Japan. There, There's Japanese dialogue, there's English dialogue, there's not even subtitles. Oh, interesting. So you're, you as an American, if you don't speak Japanese, you're just not going to understand what the Japanese people are saying. And, and I conversely, don't know, if you're Japanese and you don't speak English. Yeah, I think there might be quite a bit more English dialogue in that mm. one. But there was another movie released three years later called Hell in the Pacific. I think I've brought this up on the podcast before. Very interesting two-hander of a movie mm. um, directed by John Borman. Before he joined our podcast uh, <laughs> and changed and changed my name. Yes. Uh, from, from John to Josh. They'll never know it's me. <laughs> I will no longer be John Borman. I shall be Josh Borman. <laughs> Were you hoping that I'd chime in on that one? I was a little bit. Thank you, AJ. Um, that movie stars Lee Marvin and Toshiro Mifune. And that movie oh. also has no subtitles. So this was clearly designed for a Japanese audience and for an English speaking audience where half of the dialogue is in one language or the other. And then you just straight up aren't supposed to understand the other half, which I think is a really fascinating approach to, to making a movie. That was also what happened to me while watching this movie, because on Amazon, <laughs> some of the subtitles when they would be speaking would just be uh, it would read speaking Japanese. No. And I would say. I know. <laughs> well, That's I weird. know they are because this is a subtitled. This is supposed to be a subtitled. I would just movie. miss like the beginnings it's not, of it mostly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I uh, grabbed a. I think it was a rip the Blu-ray, and yeah. there were some lines that went unsubtitled, which is there, actually there couple, honestly, yeah, which yeah. is actually honestly pretty cool. I don't. Yeah. I, I I'm not the kind of watcher who needs to know what's being yeah. said every yeah. single minute. Yeah. Some of those powerful moments in theater that I've ever seen are the ones where I can't understand mm-hmm. what's Although, being spoken. You know, on this stage. is a pretty dry movie, and it's yeah. mostly concerned with the. fact factual lead up to the attack on Pearl Harbor. So right. I do think that in the case of Tora Tora Tora, you really do miss 
something. Yeah, sure. I, I, it seems that most of what goes untranslated because I don't speak Japanese is like just introductions. Basically, yeah, there's like a procedural thing. Like I saw that at the beginning when they're transferring the captain mm-hmm. ship captaincy. You yeah. know, whoever mm-hmm. runs the they boat. like greet each other and then they say something and then they sort yeah. of switch positions. And the then we're in subtitle mode. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie was released. Uh, Tora 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 comes out in 1970. This is the same year as Patton. Also by 20th Century Fox uh, mm-hmm. earlier in the year. This is Daryl Zanuck once more. Josh pointed out to me before we got into this. This is also the year that MASH comes out. Oh, shit. The, the it, film or the TV show? The film. Oh, okay. So you can start to see where the ideological lines are being drawn, even though this is not necessarily a pro-war movie or an anti-war movie. No. There is certainly, I think, a strain of cultural conservatism. Yeah, it's. It, it, I would say it is romantic, you know, mm-hmm. it, not not obviously in the way that Pearl Harbor by Michael Bay is romantic. Because yeah. yeah, very different. What a goddamn yeah. mess. Yeah. Um, but no, there, there's a certain way that it sort of uh, valorizes the contributions of uh, the, the the troops, especially on the American side, but also, also uh, on the Japanese, the Japanese side. side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, mm. um, that's so interesting because I actually think that this movie really goes out of its way to show how much America fucked up in like in yeah. trying to prevent oh, Pearl Harbor. I agree. I'm I talking about so. the yeah. individual soldiers. Oh, yeah. sure, the sure. seamen. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also the um the lot of, a lot of a lot of seamen. <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a seamen this in this movie. Is drenched in semen. <laughs> Those semen are drenched in the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Patton came out in April. Tor 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 came out in September. The same idea here. It's like, well, this works so well with Bernhard Vicky. Let's do this again with Japanese directors. So what do they do? There are three years of pre-production that go into this film because they're also like shoring up resources and getting actual military equipment to make this film. For two of those years, they have... One of the finest directors that Japan has ever produced, that the world has ever produced. Right. Akira Kurosawa himself is working on the script development and starts to work on actual production uh, when they sack him. He uh, he could not follow orders is what it's basically the, to boil yeah, down to. They you, you don't hire Akira Kurosawa no. to make somebody else's no, it's movie. Like, it's no. like being like, oh, yeah, we'll get Steven Spielberg to take a quick pass. At this. <laughs> like, no, <it's, laughs> you have to give somebody like that full control. Yeah. On the American side, we have a director named Richard Fleischer, who's not. Not one of the greats, necessarily. He, he did 20,000 Leagues he Under did, the he, Sea. He, oh, okay. he worked with Disney. He did 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and he did Fantastic Voyage. So he, And he later, after this, did um, Soylent Green. Oh, okay. So he's kind of a sci-fi guy. He does a Conan sequel. He does uh, he does Amityville, <laughs> Amityville 3D. He did Amityville 3D. That was the one I wanted to bring up. <laughs> On the Japanese side, once they got rid of Kurosawa, there's apparently a little tiny bit of footage that was Kurosawa's, mm. less than a minute they say sure on the japan side they got toshio masuda who was a big hit director you may not be familiar with any of the movies that he made but he made good money in japan uh directed 82 movies in his lifetime holy shit he even did some anime movies oh cool he, he, he was able to make that transition um and then we got kinji fukusaku who was famous for his gangster movies and specifically the Battles Without Honor or Humanity series. I've never uh, seen that, but that's a great, name great, for a great series. He's known yeah. more for like doing the this like verite, shaky cam, okay. ultra violent gangster movies cool. of like this. He's he's almost I don't oh, yeah. think he 
I don't think people classify him as a Japanese new wave filmmaker. Would but you, he's, would he's you classify those movies as being fancy? They could be. Yeah, we could watch a couple of, yeah, of could, Yakuza sure, picks yeah. from the 70s yeah. if we want Hell to. yeah. And then we can maybe tie that into maybe playing some Yakuza games. Hey. Sure. Or we could even join the Yakuza. I, we, oh. I, I don't think we could. I, I, no, I, feel I have like, a friend. Hmm. You know a guy? Yeah, he's really nice. He says he's really into poetry. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. Do you know who else is into poetry? Is the Emperor of Japan, mm. who I think kind of sounds very annoying in Tora Tora Tora, because <laughs> he's just like they're like, "Hey, Emperor, should we go to war?" And then he recites poetry at them. We're like, "Well, I don't really know what that means, but I guess we're going to war." <laughs> There yeah. has to be better policy than haiku. We'll, we'll dig deeper into the depiction and also kind of lack of depiction. Therefore, also depiction of the emperor a little bit later on. And of our emperor. Franklin mm-hmm. Delano Roosevelt. Ah, uh, yes. Emperor and Roosevelt. Lack, and lack of that depiction as well. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, he is, he is an off-screen figure. And there might be something more pointed to that than I realize. I, I don't quite know all of the... All yeah, of the, hard to say. But the, the main, I think, political thrust towards Tora 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 itself is to correct the record, as it were, right. on yep. whose yep. fault the intelligence failures are. And namely, I think it's because... First of all, in the late in, in the, the late period where we're still involved in the war, like 1944, you get people from the America First Committee, which had basically disbanded at that point, um, coming up with pamphlets saying that Roosevelt knew that Pearl Harbor was going to be attacked, mm. even in some ways engineered provocations to lead to an attack on Hawaii. Mm. Um, this this follows along in like the Bircher thing. Again, this stuff doesn't really uh, much like the USS Arizona. It doesn't hold a lot of water. Before it sinks. <laughs> Trapping. <laughs> so many people inside. That's too soon. Rebuild! We all know who caused Pearl Harbor, mm. and it was the devil. I read it in a little chick track that yeah? I found yeah. uh, oh. lying on the sidewalk. Okay. This is a true story. Wait, yeah, there's, there's, one there's a chick track where, where the devil does Pearl Harbor? Yeah. yeah. Please yeah. tell me he also blames it on the Jesuits. I'm pretty sure. Sh- I, I am pretty sure that, that, that it was the devil. I know that it was. There, were, there is a chick track about Pearl Harbor, and I'm pretty sure. sure they do end up blaming the devil. But I might be conflating it with the chick track about the Titanic, which he, they also blame oh, the devil the, for. Yeah, the, the Titanic, that's an old one where it's like the Titanic sank at the same time that we founded the U.S. Federal Reserve. Right, 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 right. And for some reason, that's supposed to matter. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Pearl Harbor itself, I think, usually gets blamed on the Navy men, on the men who were in charge in Oahu specifically. Right. And this movie is really drawing the the, the line and saying, no, uh, the admiral whose first name is Husband... <laughs> This guy has joke. No, no, no. Husband Kimmel. <laughs> oh, Jimmy's who was, grandfather. Jimmy's grandpa, who was yeah. so fucking old. This guy was so old. Like his dad fought in the Civil War. Whoa, oh shit. For the Union and then for the Confederacy. Motherfucker's a turncoat. Oh, that's right. Oh my god. Oh. That's right. And then he named his son <laughs> Husband. Which and has me so incensed. His, his dad didn't change no, it. No, but people called him Kim, or they sometimes called him Mustafa, uh, because apparently, uh, what's happening? That people were no. reminded of his name because of Ataturk, because Ataturk's name was Mustafa Kimmel 
Ataturk. Oh hmm. my god. So they called him Mus- they called they called husband Kimmel Mustafa. Hey, hey, because hey. they thought that was funnier than husband. Hey, hey, who's who's on ABC tonight? Oh, it's Kimmel again. <laughs> Admiral Admiral I'm sorry. The Admiral, Admiral Crichton. Hu- yeah. Admiral husband. <laughs> Admirable. Sounds like an anime. Yeah, the, the, yeah I, I, I'm saying like admirable anime. now too. Yeah, yeah. Admiral yeah. husband. Yes. Admiral husband. He's got like the bishy sparkle. Around Admiral him. Admiral yeah. husband sounds like it would be the name of a dating sim, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's like it's, a, it's, a dating it's, sim set in the navy. It's yeah. also a spinoff of the very popular '90s sitcom Major Dad. <laughs> <laughs> you date boats. <laughs> It's just it's just JPEGs of Cameron simulator that you that you flirt with. Perfect. The crossover episode. Well, they can't air it again. It was horrible, but it was in 3D, like when Urkel did the time travel thing. I don't know. I'm just I'm just going to date the Enterprise. So this movie, that's not the Enterprise. That's your flagship. Oh, that's a reference to this movie. And neither of you remembered it because this movie is just so boring. This is this people. People have been trying to like rehabilitate dad movies lately. Yeah, mostly because they thought that somehow Ridley Scott's Napoleon was going to be good. And they're like, actually, yeah, dad movies are great. You want to watch a fucking dad movie? This is the daddest movie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so here's here's a question that I yeah. have for both of you. Please. Had you watched this movie before we did it for the podcast? No. Yes, with my dad. Let's go. <laughs> I had also watched it because my grandpa had a whole bunch of VHS tapes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a dad twice over. That's a, that's a double dad. <laughs> that's a dad's dad. That's a square dad right that's there. That's an admiral, admiral that's husband. An admiral husband. <laughs> right there. That's an admiral husband. See, my dad never became an admiral. He mm. is a captain, however. Oh, well, wow. a retired captain, but you know how it is. Oh, oh, Brian's captain, my captain. There's there's a bit in um well, I actually wrote this down. I wrote this uh exact phrasing <laughs> okay, here. Okay. Um I I watched this movie and I now understand why men in their sixties read five hundred page books about submarines. Okay, so here's yeah, here's the yeah. thing. I'm kind of that guy. Yes. Like, I, right. It, it, but it, you're it, neuroatypical. I'm normal. And <laughs> Like I have, I have distinct (laughs) memories and I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not, but like in high school, Mm -hmm. I remember reading those fucking Herman Welk books, you know, War and Remembrance. Yep. yep. And those books are like a thousand pages long and they're about World War II. You read them all the way through? Mm Mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, Good. uh, I think I've only read the second one. Are they nonfiction or are they fiction? They're fiction, but but they're like, they're epic in the same way that this movie is epic, which is to say boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, I forget his name. There is, there's a very famous Chinese novelist. I think he's even still alive, but he's like super fucking old. And he's written all of these long sort of martial arts epics, but they're Mm. historically accurate. Mm. Um, And he keeps revising the books over the decades just to make them more accurate. And and I think that's kind of the thing about this movie is that both its greatest strengths and its greatest weaknesses are due to that exact approach. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is why Kurosawa could not survive in this environment because this is a very dry movie. That guy's no tour. He wants to make creative choices. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, these things are they're, they're actually relatively quick cuts for the era. Every shot is pretty static. So every time you get like a conversation, it's a reverse shot. It's, you know, it's two people and you're looking like the wall in the background is always like flat. It is parallel with the frame of the picture. There are no exciting dynamic angles. There are no No. big stage triangles to be had. No. Where we do find excitement is in largeness in having Mm -hmm. a lot of people on a deck. Scale. 
and, and having real things, real planes flying around and dropping real bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a full-size replica of one of the battleships. Now, yeah. it yeah. was not a complete replica. If you looked at it from the other end, you could see, you know, the supports. But uh, from right. the other angle, it looked just like the real thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I, I am actually kind of a nerd for seeing old things that look new. Uh-huh. So, like, at the very in like the very first scene of the movie where the, where the captains switch captain jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't know how boats work. Uh, there's yes, a, I am. I am relieving you. I am relieved that. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Yes. The gold lining like on mm-hmm. like the windows and on like the banisters and stuff. You're like, yeah, this is so distinctly something from 19 the 1940s. Yeah. But it looks brand spanking shiny new. Right. And I think that's that's really yeah. neat. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not dissimilar from how cool it is watching Titanic, where you're seeing yeah. all of these ornate details yeah. replicated as if it were a new thing. And there's something about it being the physical set. You know, it's, right. it, you just don't get the same effect when it's all mats and CGI. Nah. And you know where that money comes from? That's that Elmo Williams money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Elmo Williams, the uh, the the co-producer of this, along with Did Zanuck. you just want to say his name? I Is really that, did. Yeah. It popped up on screen and I was like, <laughs> Elmo? <laughs> Elmo did Pearl Harbor? I was was like, is Elmo like a real name or is it a nickname? And yeah, yeah, it turns out it was this guy's middle name. Mm. Okay. But yeah, it really is Elmo. That was what his parents done give him. And the other thing that's interesting about Elmo (laughs) Williams um, (laughs) is that (laughs) he's he's, uh, about three feet tall. Yes. He's red. Yes. Uh, very furry. And he's he has, a scourge of Sesame Street. He has the silliest little voice. <laughs> yes. He is three years old. Admiral, I'm a murderer. We ride a dog. Thanks, Elmo Williams. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Tara, Tara, Tara. <laughs> this movie opens with a title card saying all the events and characters depicted are true to historical fact. And there, I mean, it's an understatement to say there is an army of characters because there's actually two navies of characters right. yeah. and a couple of home offices. And they're all wearing the same thing. Uh, and yeah. so it is not exactly easy to tell them apart no, from each you other. Get, you, get, you get one shot where the character walks on screen and you get a title card. This is also from The Longest Day. I don't know if The Longest Day is the first movie to do it, but it, uh, that's what I know. It's like it's the Tora Tora yeah. Tora Longest Day thing is someone comes on screen and it's like, General this guy, Admiral this guy, Emperor this guy. Yeah, Um, which is if you've played a Metal Gear Solid game, uh, this is what Kojima is having fun with every time he has some fictional guy come on for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. If you've ever played Metal Gear Solid or Death Stranding, you know what this is. Yes. It's that. But like for real, it's (laughs) It's because of this textbook design. Right. This textbook idea being applied to movies. It's like, here's a historical guy. We're not going to use exposition to introduce him and add more scenes. He's going to walk on and it's going to say that this is Admiral Husband. Yes. (laughs) Um, And and this opening shot, we we get to see like the the Japanese Navy, like in all their like glory. And there's Mm -hmm. so many people. And what I love about it is that it is very silent. It's very still like the, the shots, I think, are very interestingly composed. Like you do get like like a man in profile like very very up close and like stillness for a very long time and then they all sort of go at ease and they start gossiping immediately about like why uh the admiral is like being relieved of duty and like what's going on and i'm like i love these gossipy bitches yeah well in general and we we mentioned this a moment ago that like the scenes on this japanese carrier 
yeah. are some of the best scenes in the movie because yeah, absolutely. they f- these people feel more like real people. Yeah. Part of that is due to the script where they are actually sometimes given something to do rather than just spout exposition. Yeah, right, right, right. But it's also that specific choices are being made, both mm. in terms of acting and direction, that really yeah. anchor you in their world and make you feel like you are there with them in space in a way that is not the case every time we cut back to Pearl Harbor. Yeah. 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 We get like people sitting to to have dinner and then there's like a noted like social faux pas because one of their guys isn't there. The guy that they nicknamed Gandhi. Right. And he's just nude in his room. And so sweaty. And so sweaty. He's got a little, he's got a little blanket over his head (laughs) and he's just like muttering. It's like Salieri witnessing like Mozart for the first time. Like, it's just like this plan is perfect. And and it's, it's him fight. Like the scene ends and the guy like comes in to check on him and then just sort of slowly backs out of the room. And then he's like Sunday. We'll do it on Sunday. Yeah. 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 At the beginning of this movie, the, Admiral is being replaced. Mm -hmm. So the outgoing guy sits at the table across from the new guy. They switch places. And now it is Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto who is in charge. So he's played by So Yamamura, who I think does a phenomenal job in this movie. Yeah, I I really I think of honestly all of the performances. His is maybe the most memorable. Certainly one of certainly one of the top three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For me, the 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 Tom Cruise fighter pilot is like a little bit higher for me. The the Maverick of the Imperial Army. The Japanese Tom Cruise. Yeah. The Japanese (laughs) Tom Cruise is a little bit more memorable because he's like he has he's just like bursting with personality. But Yamamoto does an incredible, incredible job of being like this stoic pillar that like has to like reckon with the horrors that he's caused. Yeah. Not quite as theatrical as Mako in, uh, in the no. Michael Bay movie. No, no. And that's the thing is that now that I've watched this, like watching the Pearl Harbor scenes, it's almost like Michael Bay is like making fun of this movie a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like he's just like, you didn't go. You didn't like what? What? Let me posit you this. Let me posit you this. Okay. What if didn't go with me here? Okay. Posit me that. The Japanese were just like really evil, though. Right. Like, like this movie's like, oh, we're gonna like do a fair and balanced thing, and Michael Bay's like, you know what? Nah. No, they're all just barbarians, right? Well, and, 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 and Michael, with, with Michael Bay's whole thing is like, they're just on the boat and they stand there and they're like, it's gonna happen. Right. It's gonna happen, and then it happens. We and, have achieved surprise. But <laughs> here you see like the meticulous planning yeah. that goes in, the the teaching that they do to show the pilots, right? Recognize each ship by name, yeah. by silhouette. Like the, the, their intel was really strong because, as we talked about before, they had a guy in the embassy yes. who was just taking notes on fucking everything. And then also that Kraut family that right. may have helped, may not have. Yeah. And yeah. the full first half of the movie, because there are basically two acts and there is actually an intermission. There's an intermission. In the they let mm-hmm. you pee. More intermissions in movies. Very nice. We love it. The whole first half of this is just planning yeah basically it's like day after day after day point after point after point we start in 1940 actually like yamamoto taking over the tripartite pact being signed that's that's the middle of the previous year and then you know it jumps ahead as fast as it needs to but but yeah the the way that it sort of portrays all of that is that uh japan's military was mostly the army kind of forcing the Navy into this position. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how historically accurate that is or not, honestly. Um, But it is sort of an interesting thing that they draw that distinction pretty early on, because obviously it is true that Tojo was incredibly fucking aggressive and they portray him in that way in this movie. And this is one of the weird things, because you barely get a glimpse of Tojo 
um, and and we just sort of keep going. Right. There's a feeling of like that that I got with the movie, even though he is there right there at the beginning of like. Does anyone make any decisions? Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone in Japan ever do anything? Or was this just some sort of trick of fate that everyone was like, oh, yeah, someone else wants us to do this. We're going to do it, but we don't really want to, you know. Well, I mean, when you get your commands and poetry, <laughs> but this is, it leaves room for interpretation. This, right? is, this is also then in many ways how the U.S. side of things is portrayed. This yeah. is what yeah. this movie is basically doing. And part of the reason that it's so fucking boring yeah. is that it is showing sort of institutional paralysis on both sides. Now, yeah. again, right. I don't really know if this is fully accurate or not based on my understanding of World War II history, which is not the best, the way that Japan was advancing power projection in the South Pacific was pretty aggressive. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they show, they, they actually make the good case of like why it would be reasonable for Japan to think, yeah, we'll attack the new, the, we'll, we'll attack uh, the U.S. next. Right. Because they've been beating back the French, the Dutch, because there right. are all these European powers that exist in the South Pacific that are that are colonizing these places yeah. that are getting their asses whooped while also having to deal with fighting Hitler on the home front. Right. Um, this is all true. Right. And so you do get a sense of like, oh, yeah, this wasn't just like one insane person's thought. It's just that they really didn't know what they were going to do next because they were mainly just thinking about how do we get a hold of the Philippines? Right. And, and there was also, of course, the hope that because at that time so much of America's power projection in the Pacific was stationed at Pearl, yeah. it would be possible to just go in there annihilate all the carriers yeah. and basically defeat America in one fell swoop in terms of its ability right, to, to fight counter Japan. Yeah. Japan yeah, the in, idea, in the Philippines. Yeah, the idea is just like destroy all of the material here so that way when we go take Guam or the Philippines or the Marianas, right. there's just no one who's going to push back. Then we're going to have control of all of it and then the U.S., because of its posture uh, of not wanting to get involved anyway, is still is is not really going to get involved. And then we will have shored up our resources and established very firmly what the borders of the Japanese empire are. Right. Right. So another big piece of this first act is sort of the diplomatic back and forth. Yeah. Uh, we get shots inside of the Japanese embassy in D.C. And we also mm -hmm. get shots inside of the American embassy in Tokyo. So, yeah, much much of the focus here is on the United States Secretary of State Cordell Hole, who in this movie is played by George McCready. He's kind of paralyzed in terms of judgment, like he's yeah. not willing to go one way or the other. And yeah, he, there's he has a lot of suspicion, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot about like procedure. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and FDR, I don't know if FDR was ill around this time. You know, there were points where he would disappear. Right. Because, right. you know, he, he was suffering from polio. polio right? yeah. He was very sick and, and they didn't want people to know about it. Right. And the the line that they sort of thread here is that, no, FDR wasn't doing anything. He wasn't engaging in fuckery. But there were people at the White House who might have been. Yeah, that's where they kind of settle is like, oh, yeah, there were some guys at the White House who were controlling his access right. to information who yeah. were being careless with documents, you know, throwing them in the trash can. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, getting classified information to places where it doesn't need to go. And we have this very helpful. Well, 
We have this <laughs> very helpful cabinet. cabinet. The secret ca- I love that. Oh, just, they, man. They're like, oh, here's everyone who has clearance. And they just open a little cabinet and it has a <laughs> list of This is one of those things that's just so ridiculous. I kind of assumed it was a real detail because why would you make up? Why would, it, why would, why they, would why a would you successful make that up? screenwriter in Hollywood come up with something that stupid? It's so yeah. good. There's this cat. Not only is it a cabinet, it's yeah. a locked cabinet. Yeah. So he unlocks this cabinet. He opens it up and there are just names painted on the wall inside the cabinet. And it says ultras and yeah. generals like and admirals. Franklin yeah. Delano Roseville. Yeah. Like, and later, the president, the vice president. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And later they cross him out with yes. chalk. Yeah. Because <laughs> here's the thing. We have one of those cabinets at the worst of all possible worlds. We do, yes. It's just yeah. a list of enemies, really. Mm-hmm. It's just Phil Lawler's name 58 <laughs> times. I want to be very, very clear here because I, I think that, I don't want to get in on, on Wadfam Chalkpod's territory. They sure. have made That's right. enemies with Phil Lawler I want to be very clear. He's a bad writer. He's a Mm. worse writer than Paul McCusker. And that's why Paul McCusker is is officially the enemy of the worst of all possible worlds. Great. Okay. He's Uh, also Catholic. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that goes without without saying. saying. Oh, yes. Speaking of Catholics, Adolf Hitler and his allies. Um, <laughs> as as Jack Chick pointed out, of course, the Holocaust was a, an act of Jesuit yes, the genocide. Papi- the the oh. Papist Plague. Yes, yes, Papist, yes, papist, yes, papist that, Plague. Yeah, our bad. Sorry, guys. Yes, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say, yeah. in that scene that has a little cabinet, there is something mm. that is very detailed that I wouldn't doubt at all is depicted exactly as was in reality, which is the code-breaking device, yes. which is a fun little... <laughs> the way that they describe computing is like oh and it swirls around in that box a little bit before it comes out the other side and they have a little teletype yeah, in like the room that. that types everything out in Hepburn not in Japanese characters but in in like Hepburn in, in right. Audrey yeah yeah it's it's a it's in a Catherine, form actually. it's a oh. form of transliteration into the into our alphabet AJ Cleopatra was Hepburn oh. <laughs> <laughs> the word that I said <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> at Pearl Harbor, they are doing their best to do this code breaking, right? To decode yeah. these uh, cables that they're, are coming. They're through. doing they're they're doing beyond their best. Oh, they're yeah. apparently getting these codes before the Japanese embassy is getting them. Yeah, they're, we're doing fine at actually interpreting all of this information. It's just not getting anywhere it's supposed to. And, and this is again, it's one of these things where this happened with 9 11 as well. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I didn't really know a lot about the lead up to Pearl Harbor. And mm-hmm. actually, the thing I learned most from this movie is what happened afterwards mm. too a little yeah. bit because. Yeah. Yeah. I just I I thought that most of the pilots had kamikaze, you know, no, in actual no. Pearl Harbor. And, and, well, and that's something that Michael Bay, th- they didn't show them suicide bombing in the Michael Bay movie, but they did show them taking part in the preparatory action of the kamikaze With pilots. With the, the sake shot and the yeah. bandana thing. And yeah. kamikaze was a very specific thing that only came about in the later years of the right. war because Japan was getting its ass kicked. Right. Right. So it was it was something that was born out of desperation of this dying empire to be like, oh, yeah, we're just going to crash the entire fucking plane into the boats because that's going to cause a shocked morale. Right. 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 OK, because that's interesting because yeah. there are no kamikaze uh, nope. things no. in in Pearl Harbor in this movie. Yeah, they just tour. drop bombs. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's one guy who does who end up crashing into a hangar, but that's because sort of the plane a, was going down. And that's a semi controlled yeah. act of desperation, not, mm-hmm. not right. an intentional act. These cables coming through are being interpreted by the uh, by the people at Pearl Harbor. They are being translated 
Is there, this even Pearl Harbor? Or is this Washington? Oh, it might be. An, it, I, I'm not it's sure. A little, there's a lot it's of jumping clear. around. What, what, what is clear um, though? There probably was a title card once. <laughs> I yeah, wish that like every was. time someone came on, we'd see the title card I agree. again. You know, what, what, which is what Kojima does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, have them wear name tags. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, well, you could. They're in the military. <laughs> yeah. Right Pro- there. Come on. Put oh my God. on. Admiral, uh, Admiral Husband is such a Kojima name. <laughs> yeah. Like that's what that's what Death Stranding Two is all about. Yeah, like yeah, one yeah. was all about fatherhood. The next one's about marriage. Right. So it's just Admiral uh, Husband. It, it's man. Admiral Husband. <laughs> you know who's got some money that they could probably throw at that. Mm. Elmo Williams. <laughs> Elmo Williams. He's yeah. too small. <laughs> he doesn't have any money. He's a he's a dependent. He doesn't even have pockets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do, oh, I do want to mention something. He wears coats. Uh, something that I don't think is very great in this movie is the music. Yeah. And this is another Weirdly. thing. We have covered, I think, two movies now written with music written by this composer. This yeah. is Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. Who I was did Star say. Trek, who did Alien. Yeah. Um, and he, his, his score for Alien is one of the best movie scores ever written. And at yeah. this point, I think he's still kind of just a TV guy. And this feels like a score written for TV. It feels mm-hmm. like it's written it's fast. In, it's incidental music, the, isn't it? It's the, not. Yeah. The Japanese score. stuff feels stereotypical, not in an mm-hmm. offensive way. No, just like not in, just in like, an easy way. Oh, yeah. Lazy here's way. kind of a Japanese yeah, sound. Yeah. Meanwhile, the band on the deck of the ship is playing, I'm assuming, contemporary Japanese like army right. songs or right. Navy songs. Yeah. And, it, you know, it doesn't sound the same way as Goldsmith's music. I really do love the juxtaposition of the two bands, too, that like, oh, well, the Navy yeah. is the same all over the world. It's, you know, everybody's got a band. Everybody's, everybody's got, got a, got a band flag and they got every, everybody's got a flag and they got to uh, have the band play and then raise the flag. I it is it is very striking to see the two militaries portrayed as like both alike in dignity mm-hmm. yeah in a way that i i found actually quite shocking mm-hmm. uh, especially if, in 1970 yeah like, yeah i mean that that's the thing is like even though there are some agendas here it's hard to say if this is like a movie that's really just trying to thread the needle yeah right that's really just trying to say yeah i don't know every every war has its two sides and they're they're all just people at the end of the day. Yeah. Not not one necessarily worse than the other when you're talking about the actual battles being fought. And I, ha- and I have a theory as to why the Japanese side of the story is more effective, which mm. we'll get into a little bit later. But the American side is just not very engaging no. because you don't really have a protagonist in the same yeah. way. Well, there's yeah. no yeah, there's no agency. Right? Yeah. On the Japanese side, they're at least they're all engaging in something. And the American side is they're all just kind of sitting around, right. which is what the reality which, which is what yeah. was happening. Yeah. But how do you that that's sort of the big issue in general is how do you dramatize inaction? Yeah. Right. And probably the Coen yeah. brothers are the only people who figured out with a burn after reading. Sure. Right. 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 You know? but, but, <laughs> but, but that movie is filled with people constantly trying to do things that's and true. failing to do things. Yeah. But the problem is in this is just to do with the way that this movie is written. Yeah. They're not willing to. Uh, inject anything that was less than 100% factual. Yeah. You know, I think a potential solve here would be to have a character or two who maybe wouldn't even be a real person who would be trying to send stuff up the chain over and over and over again and getting defeated by the bureaucracy at every turn. Now, this sort of does happen here with a few of the different characters. Uh, At one point, they get something that looks like it might be be pointing to an attack on November 30th, exactly mm-hmm. one week before the real attack happened. Yeah. And so they put the whole base on alert. 
Yep. And nothing happens. It's really, out, really yeah. missed opportunity to do a needle drop of One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies on December 7th. Yeah, the song that existed in 1970. No, I'm just saying we can re edit. And, 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 and 1941 also. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always i to have to do that. I just always yeah there. We can't do those like, harmonies. Can't They're, do very those They're very no. tight. <laughs> What's that? I have no idea. I don't know what that was. I don't, I don't know what that was. Um. AJ is having a panic attack right now. Um, Again, it's it's just such a great loss for our country that it still affects us all so emotionally. Mm. I, I really like the idea. <laughs> I, I want. I kind of want to get us. We will like, rebuild. We, we have so many Europeans who listen to this yeah, show. Yeah. I really want them to think that this is a day that people actually think about, as opposed to a thing that no one, no one ever acknowledges. Like I knew it because, like my my grandpa served in Waikiki, like right after. Yeah, oh, I mean, okay. I, yeah. as a kid, I went to church with a guy who was a member of the Navy Seabees. I interviewed yeah. about uh, yeah. interviewed him about it at one and point. And my my grandpa uh, fought in the Korean War by serving at a station in Iceland. <laughs> that's so awesome yeah. that's the literal opposite side of the globe he refueled planes and then he actually got his service cut short because huh. he got uh put into a game show where they brought him home from the war what? to be reunited with my grandma on AJ, national this feels television like you're setting up some kind of a bit that i cannot see the ending no, to is, but this, this is, is a real true, true story was this on like uh, to tell the truth or something do you know what the show was uh, i believe it was truth and, co or con and consequences truth and consequences yeah truth or consequences yeah truth or consequences is the uh the name of a town Found in, in new, new mexico. mexico yeah 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 you know, what, you know what it's famous for? Truth and Truth or Consequences? Uh, it's baths. Jiggity China, the Chinese chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops sticking. Watch your next file with no lights on, without a lace on. I hope the smoky man's in this one like Harrison Ford. I'm getting frantic. What does that have to do with Truth or Consequences? Either the game doing... show or the town. I was just doing the callback. Oh, okay. Is this still part of the Henry Kissinger eulogy? <laughs> no. That's... Those are lyrics to One Week by Bare Naked Ladies, Brian. Well, yeah. So so truth or consequences, yes. according to your bit, mm -hmm. is yes. famous for the 1940s version of One Week by yeah, the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. On truth or consequences. Yes. So, you know, we, 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 we hang out a little bit with the prime minister of Japan, Konoe, spelled Konoye in this one. Uh, Konoye West. Uh, oh boy, he's a prince, which I didn't. He's labeled as like prince, yeah, prime yeah, minister. Prince, and I, yeah. I didn't know if that was like you know, like if you look in Imperial Russia and how everyone is named prince, whatever, and it doesn't fucking mean anything. Sure, no, he was a prince. Huh. He was uh, part of the actual prince. Japanese nobility, which was then uh, outside of the emperor's immediate family, abolished in the the nineteen forty seven constitution. Oh, okay. Sure, yeah, um, that makes sense. But and also he killed himself in 1945 because he was going to go up for some uh, war crimes trials yeah Be and which the the war crime stuff in japan have, uh, is also v very darkly like farcical very funny because like there's so many americans involved who are like pro emperor and then like there's another cadre of people who are anti-emperor and so everyone is like trying to race to get to who gets the war tri war crimes trials first mm. and the emperor comes out of it unscathed right right he remains the emperor until he dies in uh, 1989 
The entire Showa period goes all the way until then. But he has to admit that he's not derived from divinity, right? Like, yeah, we made him read some embarrassing stuff or whatever on the radio. Yeah. We, we made him do a king speech in reverse. But <laughs> it's just Colin. You have to stutter. It's just Colin Firth getting progressively worse <laughs> at public speaking. <laughs> well, we, 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 we've yeah. talked a fair bit at this point about sort of what things look like on the U.S. side, right? Yeah. It's just this series of ongoing near misses. Meanwhile, the portrayal on the Japanese side of things is like they're getting closer and closer to the plan actually congealing and coming to fruition. Yeah, we're getting there to November. I I brought this up with Michael Bay's movie where they like have a tearaway calendar and it's like December 7th. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which in Japan, it was December 8th when they made the attack. So here we have subtitles that say December 7th, but they're actually saying December 8th in Japanese. Oh, cool. That's fun. And in the same way that whenever someone's saying like December 7th in English, it's getting translated the other way in Japan just to keep it clear because that's how it's logged in the in the the history of both of our countries. Yeah. Um, And they do. My favorite scene in this movie, there is this little acknowledgement of the difficulties of working along the international dateline. This is very like Shakespearean little scene with these two ships cooks. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. This was cut for the theatrical release. This was cut for the American theatrical release. And this and the the scene at the palace uh, are it's about two minutes of material that are in the Japanese release that weren't in the initial American and release. And they're the two best scenes in the whole movie. They're the two absolute yeah. best scenes. By far. Um, this one is ridiculously funny. Yeah, it's uh, really funny. Where it's it's just, a, I mean, it really is the classic like gravedigger bit where you have one gravedigger mm-hmm. who's dumber than the other one and they're and he, and he the, the first one's trying to explain the right. joke that he just told. Like, like they're, both, yeah. they're both dumb, but like one of them <laughs> thinks that he's, yeah. really smart one is the smart dumb guy right and then he takes a big drink of the boiling soup from his ladle <laughs> and then almost dies it's an incredible <laughs> physical comedy yeah and i don't yeah, i yeah, didn't yeah. look it up i i wondered if maybe these guys were like yeah. recognizable names or something like that because they are so funny but it, did they come back in the movie at all i don't no, know that's, 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 that's their that one it. scene it's just yeah. these one two done. cooks in the kitchen one of them is trying his absolute best to explain how the international dateline works, and the other guy just cannot understand it. <laughs> it's lovely. Which, it's like, yeah, then we can't shoot them if we're on one side and they're on the it's other. It's like we can't shoot them with yesterday's ammunition yesterday. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also get like this really, I think, lovely like shot of the ship, uh, which is just Top Gun. They have mm-hmm. like the plane launching oh, yeah, the at sun. dawn, yeah, and the sun in the background. The, it's the golden hour shot from the beginning of Top Gun and Top yeah. Gun Maverick. Yeah, and it's this guy Genda who mm-hmm. uh, is basically the Maverick of the Imperial Army, who is just bursting with charisma. Yeah. Like this guy, like has a movie star face. Yeah, and, yeah. and a movie star uh, just sensibility. Like he is so magnetic. The thing is, is that like a lot of the characters you sort of lose track of because there just so are so many people. Yeah. But anytime Genda's yeah. on screen, you're like, there's fucking Genda. Well, it also helps that he gets a distinctive costume piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's yeah, a yeah. point at which he's given a rising sun bandana, which he puts around his forehead. Right. And so from then on, he's also identifiable that yeah. way. There are these extensive plans and war games being done by Japan. They're, they're talking about how they're developing these sort of aerial torpedoes, right? Because the, the ships in Pearl Harbor are not in deep water. So you can't just drop your usual sort of bomb. It has to be a shallow water uh, attack. And Mm. so it's very, very careful, very precision stuff. We see them running drills with flashcards of like, this is the Arizona. You know, this is the 
the Oklahoma. Yeah. And then there's a really wonderful moment there, too, where they, they pull up a card and it's like, which one is this? And one guy fucks it up. And it's, yeah. it's like, that's not an, that's not one of their ships. That's our capital ship, you dumb bitch. <laughs> yeah. And everybody that was like, that was the yeah. one. Yeah. 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 And it shows like this. This was a meticulously mm-hmm. laid out thing. It was a very, very delicate operation and one that they don't actually follow through on all the plans you find at right. the end. Unlike in the parallel scenes on the U.S. side, these scenes are both effective in terms of setting up the stakes and they're effective as scenes in a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. they have they have characters and they have they have actual grounding you, to them. Yeah, and yeah. feels sort of like uh, when you're on Yavin four in the yes. first Star Wars That's movie. That's a great. Right? Yeah, yeah, the guys are all gathered feels around like the rebels, and they're looking yeah. at the wireframes and they're all getting their helmets on. And yeah, there were yeah. numerous points at which this movie reminded me of Star Wars. And there's something mm-hmm. also about like Pearl in, in Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor that all the Japanese are just like like killing machines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they just get in the ship. They, they do everything word. But we see them like having fun and goofing off and giving mm-hmm. each yeah. other shit. And it's like, yeah, they were just soldiers. Like, yeah. you know, we this were. was not happening with the kamikaze units later on. Right. It was oh, no, no, misery no. and death and alcohol. Uh, <laughs> but that's interesting, too. Right. That like yeah. it's capturing what the tone was, because yeah. there's also something very interesting happening here where you you are sort of finding yourself sympathizing with with the grunts, right? These these lower yeah. level aviators. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you also have the admiral, right? Yamamoto. Yeah. yeah. And he is so uh, he is on a completely different level. He is constantly worrying. Like you can see the anxiety yeah. on his face because yeah. he knows and he has an understanding that if this doesn't work out, it's going to be very very bad he, he right. knows that the u.s is too big and too powerful and won't give up if it gets involved in the right. war he said he says you know we'd have to take over washington dc right. yeah we right. have it to wouldn't, do peace negotiations in the white it house it wouldn't even be enough to like bomb out la and san francisco which would also be like that's that's such a moonshot anyway right. right he realizes that there's a problem here and there's a point where he goes to meet with emperor hirohito Yes. Right. And it's this totally purely ceremonial thing. And you have the prime minister walking him through there. And the prime minister, that actor's physicality is really fun. They play Mm -hmm. a lot lot with his silhouette. They play a lot with the soldiers marching outside. This is the other thing that initially only played in Japan. This is also one of the few scenes in this movie that I would say feels truly artistic in terms of its sensibility, the framing, the movement. One other one, but it's very short and we'll get to it uh, when we hit Pearl Harbor Day specifically. So all the dialogue in the scene is just like a speech given by the PM and this PM is telling him, okay, yeah, this is what's going to happen. All of this is a formality. You know, we're not really calling the shots. The emperor isn't really calling the shots. He's a figurehead. And this is part of the reason why I think this was a Japan only scene is because, like I said, this guy's still the emperor in 1970. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. So we're we're playing with revision here. This mm-hmm. is not true. This is just not true mm. for Hirohito. He was involved. He was aggressive. Right. He was calling shots when yeah. he felt that he had the expertise necessary. Yeah. He was totally there in yeah. this process. It's just that as far as like Axis leaders go, he got lucky might not be the right word because there was certainly strategy on the part of those who defeated Japan, but like, you know, Mussolini gets taken down by Italians. Right. Yeah, dragged through the street famously. Hitler gets killed by a German, an Austrian and, actually. <laughs> well, he's from know. Austria. Yeah. Hitler, Hitler defined himself so so firmly with the Nazi project that he takes himself out when it collapses. Right. Uh, Tojo gets executed. Right. This prime yeah. minister kills himself because he's going to be up for trial and he doesn't want to deal with it. And 
The emperor remains the emperor until right. 1989. Yeah. And Dies comfortably in his bed. I think, you know? I think there's something like someone else, perhaps oh, yeah? that we know who, who lived to be a hundred years oh, old yeah. and is no more. AJ Diddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rip to a real one. Oh, oh no! <laughs> it's it's interesting, right? Because there there were certain concessions that were made as part of the process of yeah. you know disarming Japan and, and reconstruction and stuff like that. Yeah, we made it into kind of one of our colonies, but yeah, not really. Yeah, but kind of, but kinda. not really. I think what's what's interesting here is the question of like what is a figurehead and what does a figurehead mean to people, you know? And if you take a person and you strip them of all of their actual power and just leave them as sort of a formal figurehead, what does that leave behind? And and, and there's an interesting tension in the scene too, because you never actually see the emperor. You only see the throne. And it seems like the implication of this scene, I was trying to look up what the the history of this might've been referencing and I couldn't find anything. But it seems like this meeting with the emperor is exactly what the scene ends us with, which is that Yamamoto walks into an empty room with a bare throne. Mm-hmm. The the emperor is not there, and I don't think he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. I think it's just literally like it's an on paper meeting sure. because that's the formality. Right. That is the right. ritual. Right. Right. Yeah. The prime minister can't go inside for this kind of meeting. In, in the same way that the in England, they do the same thing where the PM goes to the queen every single week and sure. the queen can offer certain advice, but like doesn't actually do anything. And or the king now, the uh, queen definitely can't offer advice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she, oh, hello. she she and uh, Henry Kissinger are That's both me. I'm the queen <laughs> reenacting scenes from Mrs. Doubtfire in hell together. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like, but, you know, the king can't he, he can theoretically not sign a law. But he always does. Right. right? right unless right, right. unless he's going to be the Charles III of the Mike Bartlett play. And <laughs> right. Uh, but the emperor really wasn't this this nominal role. Right. The Meiji right. restoration through World War Two is probably the, the only time the emperor really was the sole power because before the U.S. before uh, uh, Admiral Perry. Yes. Came to Japan. The emperor was not the guy at the top. It was, it was shoguns. It was the shoguns. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like they're tr- again, this is part of the whole like, yes, he wasn't really involved or something like that, but it still is trying to do this. And I think part of the most interesting way that you can do propaganda, the most effective way, yeah. which is that it's still wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's still like, oh, well, the emperor was shirking his duties then. Right. Rather than being actively involved in doing something bad. Oh, yeah. No, no. They misinterpreted the poem. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't really want got that war. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think at one point, uh, like he recites the poem and he's like, oh, so the emperor doesn't want war. And he's like, well, that's kind of what it sounds like, I guess. <laughs> but this is I mean, it, it really does need to be pointed up here. Yeah. Just how fucking wild this is. This and, scene is like a little movie of its own. Honestly. Yeah. It's so good. It, it, but it's also, yes, so inaccurate. Right. Yeah. The, the fact that the imperial Japanese government was no less genocidal and it did come from the top. Yeah. Yes. It's funny when you talk about the colonization and the, the presence of American bases, you can watch the movie Tea House of the August Moon if you want to see a little bit more of that, yeah. uh, specifically with Okinawa and its bases mm. and also Marlon Brando plays Japanese. Um, (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Oh, well, there's a there's a lovely scene where 
they uh, they're practicing flying the planes through Japan in a place that kind of looks like yeah, they've, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, they've like staged an island off of Japan to have the the markers and the distances that they need to recreate Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. and they fly and they fly it through, and all the geisha uh, women are like leaning out the window, going, "Oh, oh yeah, hey, it's the soldiers!" And then they fly over this grumpy old man fishing, and yeah. he says, "Navy planes attract geisha girls, but frighten the fish." It's so good. Like <laughs> it's weird little moments like this where it's like this points to a much more fun movie yeah and, and i don't know why they weren't willing to have more moments like this the, the only times you get moments like this are on the japanese side yeah, yeah. there's there's no like day in the life americana unless like, it's like a wife giving her admiral husband a, uh, <laughs> a hot dog <laughs> well there's a moment there are moments where uh we're like at the bar we're at the little tiki bar with oh, all sure. the navy guys and they're like oh you got radar dish duty um, oh, oh yeah. Speaking of radar dish. <laughs> oh boy. There is another these, really these funny. There's this like is three a, of these scenes. Three oh, these God, scenes so they all are on top of a hill, and so the wind is blowing, and so they had to they had to ADR the whole scene. And I think in a couple cases, it might not even be the the regular actor who was supposed to be. It's the, so good. It's not the same like actor it. matching his voice, and the acting is so. It, fucking bad it sounds like something out of garth Marenghi's dark place yes. here's a clip well it's not an ideal radar site but at least we've got a permit let's get the other mobile units working that's easier said than done what do you mean well first we have to get all six units adjusted take it easy murph you'll figure it out yeah i'll figure it out <laughs> just, I can't. Uh, it's 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 such a like stereotype, and again, it feels like this is like twenty years older than it yeah. is. This does not feel like a movie from nineteen seventy. Yeah, this is where you can really feel the creaks. Yeah, and it, it's it's just weird because like everything else is so robotic, but these deliveries are like a little too animated and just like. I don't know, very community theater yeah, or something. I, 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 I don't know. They do a, a couple of scenes again, like the bar where they're kind of giving some guy shit or there's two guys who are going to be like moved from where they are. And they're like, oh, it's because we win too many poker games. But there's like no joke there. But mm -hmm. there's like there could no. be. No, that just seems like a historical fact. Like these guys were moved because yeah. they won too many. Uh, and then there's, poker. there's the one po pointed scene where they're like, oh, yeah, the radar dish. We can't put it on this mountain because of the damn national parks. That's so and those, wild. What those a liberals, weird fucking scene. Those liberals trying to save the animals. It's like, yeah, it's Hawaii. It's a very <laughs> delicate ecosystem. It's a super, yeah. There is a volcano. It's a <laughs> tiny archipelago. <laughs> Lost is literally going to be filmed 20 feet from where you are currently standing <laughs> in like 40 years. <laughs> Just 30 years. Ridiculous. The very, very silly, very stupid. And there's no joke in there. There's one joke scene that we get on the American side that happens when the actual uh, invasion takes place. So I won't talk about that until the second half. We're about to get to our intermission. Yeah. Uh, hey, remember the calendar thing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we get the ominous what? shot of the calendar that says yeah. December 7th. I like that the in guy, DC, in DC, in DC, where it's actually yes. December 7th. I, yeah. I do like the guy looking at it like, a little bit shocked. I'm like, this doesn't mean anything to you. No, wait, <laughs> it's like, just December 7th. It's just a day, my bro. But when we come back from our break, uh -huh. we will talk about that day, bro, that will live in infamy. Mm. This week's episode is brought to you by The Sound of Settling. Bapa. We're back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you said we were. You said you had a way to take us back in. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Okay. It is now the morning oh. of December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Snake. The sun has risen. 
Snake? From the land of the rising sun comes a... Snake! Comes a... Okay, from the land of the rising sun... Metal Gear. Okay, over the... <laughs> over the international... Di- Sir, I think your holiday is something. <laughs> I, I I I think I think I think your comm is ringing. Sir. I think your cock is. <laughs> fucking shut up. <laughs> you haven't played these games. You don't know what the calls are about. Are you going to? Uh, sir, sir, I think I think I think I think. No, 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 no. You, wanna, you you were calling me on the phone. What were you calling me about, AJ? That wasn't me. Press no. select. Don't, don't yell, yell at me. Yell at the, what, yell at the console. You, what are you calling me about, AJ? Colonel. Snake, it's December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Is that is that is that Elmo Williams? It's me, <laughs> Elmo Williams. Today it's it's yeah. Our our episode is brought to you by the number Dece- the the number December seventh. December seventh. I'm oh. all hopped up on goofballs like Elon Musk at that that public forum he was just at. You see, his oh. head was just like cranking left and right the it whole was time. So good. I I, I was like. Oh. I could not believe what I was seeing. He kept dropping like more lines too, where he was like, mm-hmm. "Ask the world, ask ask the world." Uh, no, he didn't say the world. The world would be normal. It, it was, he said, "Ask the earth." Ask the earth. <laughs> hey, you know what? If you are an actress somewhere on Earth, mm. we will pay you to be in this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk's zombie sadistic nurse musical. <laughs> so we have reached a point now, right, yeah. where American intelligence thinks this thing is going to happen on November 30th. Right. And, and November 30th has come and gone. It has come and gone. It is December 7th. It's been one week since you looked at me. Right. Dropped your hands to the side and said, you're crazy. Well, and they have been saying you're crazy. And, yeah. and that's the thing, right, is they have raised the alert. A couple times yeah. now. They put the base on full alert a couple times. Yeah, the people are mad about and it. And people are, because it's it's kind of annoying, right? It's mm-hmm. like it's like a, yeah. a, a boy who cried wolf kind of situation, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Everyone has to, like, be at attention and be right. on guard all the time, and then it's exhausting. Right. And then, you know, it's, uh, it, it just seems in like mismanagement. Time. Yeah, in, in peace time. time. Right. It seems like mismanagement from the top down. And, you know, December 7th itself opens, I think, in one of the only other artistic shots mm. in this film, which is, uh, it is of the Capitol building in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. And all of the cherry blossom trees are dead and bare. Yeah, yeah. And there's just the cherry blossoms, which didn't get planted until later. (laughs) Because again, we're just filming at the real location, right? Right? right, right. 1970. It it is. I will say, it was wild to see the Capitol building just like no thing that you could walk up to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No fences. Yeah. People forget how much of that was post 9/11. That all those security barriers went up. Yeah, it's just like I remember. I mean, how many years it was? You could not go. And do a tour of the White House. Yeah. You could go and see it from across the street. That's what I did. Two mm-hmm. fences. Mm-hmm. That's what I did when I went on my DC trip yeah. was to look. It was like, oh, wow. Well, I guess that sure is a house. <laughs> I did take the White House tour. Um, and I can't remember if it was when I went to DC in high school or in yeah, college. Yeah. But I did. I did see the East Wing. That's not even the good wing. That's well, not the one everyone wants to see from the TV show. That's not where Aaron's doing lines. But you have to go to the other. <laughs> that's where the president <laughs> is. No, I, I did get to see the Oval Office. I think I did get to see the Lincoln bedroom, though. That's in the East Wing, right? This is a fun fact about Abraham Lincoln's hat. It is also mm. an Ong's hat because he mm-hmm. did come in it. 
Oh. Yeah. Did yeah, you guys, yeah, did yeah, you guys yeah. read that like children's book that's about Abraham Lincoln's hat and how he has all of his letters no. in his hat and then he like loses his hat and all the letters fly out? Oh, that sounds oh. very whimsical. That does yeah. sound very whimsical, but they wouldn't go anywhere because they're all stuck together. Right. Well, you know, you take liberties sometimes, sure. right? Like like the story of Abraham Lincoln renting that library book. That didn't actually happen. Or George Washington with the cherry tree. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, you know, grownups, uh, you know, can handle the cum thing. The kids, not so right, much. Right, you don't right, know what right, the kids right, know right, about right. the cum. Well, yeah. I mean, look, and this movie also takes a lot of liberties, let's say, with mm. history every once in a while. <laughs> Such which, as? Well, uh, the very final shot of the film, which AJ, we will get AJ's to. one of those guys who's really mad on IMDb yeah, about the fact you're that... You're posting the, the goofs on the IMDb. <laughs> the the you can very clearly <laughs> see that the Japanese planes are not Mitsubishi. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. The, the, the corrections is so long. It's, it's the longest so goofs. Long. It's every dad in America has flocked to IMDb and chosen this movie. It's like it's like a guy watched Fargo and he's like, that title card is not right. I went and checked out the newspapers in Brainerd and they'd mention nothing of this. Well, no police officer was killed on this day. The the one the big goof uh, yeah. that I call goof troop really. Goof. So at the end of this film, there is a quote that is attributed uh, to Yamamoto that I think yeah. is 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 the one that you know if you know Pearl Harbor, yes. right? Yes. We, it, are, we awaken the sleeping giant or, or the sleeping dragon or whatever. Uh, let me and see. Uh, that quote that he gives, that is the finale of this film. Yes. Is something that he basically said. And then he he reaffirmed in a letter like six years later, like when the yeah. war was done. Yeah. The, the, but it's like it's something that is more or less what he did, in fact, say after they attacked Pearl Harbor. Right. Right. The, the exact quote is awakened a sleeping giant and filled him with terrible resolve. Yeah. And there is no like proof that he said it, except this uh, affirm like confirmation six years later mm. that he said it. That well, that it's not it's not confirmation. He wrote this down six years later, but he said something very similar at the time that we do sure. have right. But but, it, but he refined it over time, yeah. right? Yeah, like, like he made it into like more of a poetic mm -hmm. statement. You know, it's like begun the Clone Wars have. Yoda right. didn't actually say that. <laughs> okay. That was oh, in right, 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 a right. telegram that right. he sent. A little bit later to Obi-Wan when he was actually uh, heading out into uh, his his exile. Right. Onto but, but it worked better in the movie yeah, to have him say right, right, exactly, exactly. And at, that's the thing I think that this film could have used more mm, of yeah. is perhaps that artistic refinement. Well, mm -hmm. that's 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 one opinion. But let me tell you a few of the things that Tora 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 got wrong. Oh, OK. Yeah. At the Wait, let me get of, my little bell. <laughs> at the beginning of the launch sequence, Admiral Nagumo. Lieutenant Commander Ganda and some other officers exit the bridge to the platform, allowing them to look down on the deck of the Akagi, where deck crew are spotting the aircraft for launch. Uh -huh. The door to the bridge, which is supposed to be steel plate, is obviously made of a much lighter material. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's another one. Oh, no. Here's another one. When Admiral Kimmel arrives... <laughs> Can you, okay, here we go. When husband Kimmel, the man himself, husband Mustafa Kimmel, arrives at headquarters during the attack, two officers exit the building and casually walk away. No one would have been walking casually that morning. That one's interesting because, like, they they make a very specific point about how. As the attack is underway, no one has any idea what's going on. Yeah, right? right. There's a bunch of planes overhead that are dropping bombs all of a sudden. So, yeah, people are like, what just oh I just heard a noise right. some, you know they they talk about writing up the guy that flies directly over them yeah they, there's have, a Japanese guy who like buzzes the tower basically yeah you and, have this yeah. moment that feels very pointed and feels mm -hmm. like it's actually drawing some sort of larger attention which is 
everyone's just standing at attention, looking yeah. at the flag and playing the national anthem. Yeah. No. And the planes are right there and they just keep standing <laughs> and, and saluting. And they start playing the national anthem faster. It's yeah. so funny. It's really there funny. Are two moments of like, uh, besides the, yeah. the the chef scene, there are two moments of brilliant comedy in this yeah. second yeah. part. And the first one is when a plane flies overhead, and it's like, "Oh, you better get that guy's number, Jensen." Right. And then there's just an explosion, explosion. Yeah. explosion. Yeah. Yeah. drop. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, yeah. "What the? Fuck? They're like, what the like, fuck yeah. is happening?" Because again, this is actually this felt very true to me. This mm -hmm. felt true to life, which is when these catastrophes happen, not everyone is going to acknowledge that they're happening at the same no, time, and not right. everyone's going to know what to do. And at then the I'll same see you. Go into overdrive and you start to think that there's something happening that isn't happening. And so, you know, you can right. hear that all the time of people who are like, oh, I heard gunshots and like no one fired a gun or anything right. like that. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think this is this is what this is one of the most arresting sequences in the movie where it's just like the disaster is coming and people don't even realize it's a disaster as it is occurring. Yeah. But this does have a scene that I think has a little bit of actual comedy and it. it got a, a slight chuckle out of me mm. which is that as these planes are approaching hawaii they intercept a student oh, aircraft yeah. pilot oh yeah in a big yellow crop this, like teenager trying to learn how to drive a cessna it's davy old davy <laughs> yeah. and and he's like okay i'm doing the turn she's like oh yeah the weather's a little rough you know we're a little bumpy keep that note or uh, keep the nose from going down and then all of these planes show up and she's just like I'm going to take over now, Davey. <laughs> and then just does like a barrel roll all yeah, the way down. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that, there's and, three good bits And in that this. was one of those things where it's like, that's such an unusual scene. That, that would be very out of place in such a scrupulous movie. Yeah, right? that yeah. this must have actually happened. And it did. That is a true wow. thing. It was this one woman, Cornelia Fort, who weirdly More like Cornelia enough, Fortnite. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? No, no, Josh, it's been one week since you looked at me, <laughs> yeah. not two. Yeah. Why is it more like that, Josh? Okay, so in yeah. the video game Fortnite, yeah. uh, uh, you, you are charged with building a fort, mm. right? Sure. And, 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 and about half the gameplay is during the day, mm. and half the gameplay is, is during the night, so you think that's why it's called Fortnite because yeah, you're because it has a day night cycle and they mm -hmm. just don't want you to think about the day yeah, part. Sometimes you are building the fort at fort night. Day. And so in this in this movie, but uh, it's happening. You build the fort at any point in time. You go anytime. Sure. But 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 there's a day night cycle. And in this movie, Cornelia it's not fort day night. Cornelia Cornelia. It means two weeks, Josh. And fort. that's that's how long it takes to play a single game of Fortnite is two weeks. Camellia Fort days. or whatever the fuck her name is. Oh my god. Yes, that is her name. Uh, <laughs> is um uh flying uh at, at daybreak. So it's yes. the end of the night cycle in a game like Fortnite. And so in that regard, she could be considered Cornelia Fortnite. I don't think she could. I think she could. No, because because her name's Cornelia Fort. Right. And it's day. Mm. More like Cornelia Fat. Hmm. Am, am I right? So, so here's the like thing. <laughs> she is notable in history for two things. One is this moment, mm -hmm. or she was the first American to encounter the Japanese planes. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The second moment was she she went and joined up the Air Force after this. Or maybe was, she was flying planes. You know, there are different branches you can fly planes in. I think she was in the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, she became the first female pilot to die in active duty. Oh shit! Yeah, she died in Texas. She what? was not. She she didn't get what? killed by the enemy. She collided into another plane. Bummer. Oh no! In midair over over Texas. Yeah. Oh god! Like, like uh, a year and a half later or something like that. Yeah. Was Davy flying the other plane? 
Yes, <laughs> actually. Yeah, I couldn't find any notes on whoever the student, the student flyer was. That's the real was. sick irony of it all. Like, that's interesting. That, that could, you know, that was a kid then. He could still be alive. True. How weird is that? That's wild. Huh. Oh, man. That, that Makes is super me feel weird. bad that we've been making all these mean jokes about Pearl Harbor. Uh, More like Pearl Fartbur. It's not like that. It's not like that. That No. <laughs> Sorry. Pearl Fartbur sounds like... <laughs> Like someone who won a lot of awards as a playwright in the 70s and was like produced all the time. He still gets done in acting classes, but you're like, there's no meat on this bone. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like, I don't know how Pearl Farber won 12 Tony Awards. <laughs> and the Pulitzer. Two Pulitzers. Two Pulitzers. <laughs> Pearl Farber is also someone you can romance in Admiral Husband. <laughs> <laughs> Just get into acting class. God damn it, we're doing another fucking scene from a fartbur play. Come on. Jesus. Like, we get it. Young men are full of rage sometimes. <laughs> Marlon oh, Brando. We get it. We did was cool. No, Marlon you did Brando. David Ray last month. You can't do yeah. that all the time. You have to do some Carol Fartbur in between. Right. <laughs> Carol? Her name's Carol now? What sure. is it? Wait, this character say? is Japanese, but it must be played by a white man? <laughs> Her adaptation of Tea House of the August Moon, setting it as a realist masterpiece, was really one of the first plays to depict bipolar disorder in such a horrifically uh, inaccurate way. Yeah. Uh, but it was important. It was important for that kind of representation I, because next to normal wasn't going to happen for another 40 years. I think I no, think we like have fart years. It is more like that. I think that we have successfully like constructed our least accessible episode of all time. Or the most. Maybe. We'll see. So, so here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's the thing about Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, This is a fact that I did not know about. It's the, in Hawaii. About, about the... <laughs> And then we will rebuild it. Uh, the thing I didn't know was that um, there was actually a submarine that the Japanese had sent to do yeah, sort of reconnaissance. Yeah, that we sunk beforehand. That, yeah. that we had sunk beforehand and that this this call had gone out for 30 yeah, minutes yeah. beforehand. But what it actually really taught me was that submarines are just sneaky little guys. Yeah, it's, yeah. They're, they're, that is a pretty cool scene, actually, where... Uh, there's a cruiser out there that intercepts a Japanese submarine. Yeah. They send some depth charges. They blow it up and then they radio it in. And this is before the planes arrived. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then at the base, everyone's just like, yeah, the guy, the guy, the captain of that ship is a fucking kid. <laughs> what does he know? Yeah, it's his first time out. Yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. like a, a, a Pete Davidson without yeah. any tattoos. Yes, he does. It says something. It's like, yeah, you drop a depth charge. You see the depth charge go go off. What does that mean, right? right. Your, your your indication that there's a submarine is just a little little bit of wake for where the fucking periscope right. is. Do you yeah. know for sure that you even saw a periscope? Yeah. Like all you did yeah. was drop death charges. You don't have a confirmed kill. I mean, in this film, you can very clearly see it's a well, submarine because well, of course it's, you can because but, it's a movie. But you just hear you can kind of hear the submarine under the water going <laughs> like it is. It is like it is such a like, there's a big ship next to it. Yeah. There's another big ship next to it, and then there's just a little guy just gliding yeah. around. Yeah. And I didn't real. I've never seen a submarine do that before. Like be that small yeah it shows again the the absolute failure of communication because yes, right. now we're we have a, a real incursion has happened and the intel is being ignored because the guy's young yeah right so it still puts some blame back on the guys back at pearl harbor right this is a disaster you have people who are who are letting things fall apart because it's not the procedure. Right. You're not bringing this to the right person who's supposed to then bring it to the guy who makes the decisions. You know, you have this phone call that apparently happens between F right. FDR and uh, the and the emperor. You, there's the way that you're supposed to do things, which, of course, if you're in the military. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, I mean, the Th that's why you have rank. That's why, that's, especially on a, especially in the Navy. Yes. When you're on a boat. Yeah. It's really important to well, follow things by the proper procedure. Yeah, because the other thing that's going on throughout this is that um, we've got the general. Oh, yeah. Uh, of, of the United States Army. 
and he is getting a sense that something is going on. He's in communication with the guys yeah. at Pearl. He is constantly getting this increasing sense that something is going on. We also have and this. And then his handwriting is hard to read. Right. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> but <laughs> like, he, he like tries to go to the White House and yeah. talk to Roosevelt, but he's not there. Yeah. And yeah. like all and of then these. There's this telegram that gets sent, but it's not marked urgent. So it's right. just put in the little mailbox. Yes. I yes. do. I do Ugh. think there is a version of this story that is incredibly tense yes. uh-huh. because there is already you, stuff in this that makes me feel like just us talking about the details it. Yeah. all work. It's like if you have, you know, we have some really great detail oriented filmmakers. Like if David Fincher was making this movie, right, he'd be able to keep your right. interest just by the the sheer, the sheer exuberance of how interested in the subject he is. Yeah, right? yeah. Like Zodiac doesn't make sense for why it's that good. It's like, one, it's one of the best movies. Ever. Right. It's, it's like, like it's not really at the end. They're not even really investigating the Zodiac anymore. They're just hanging out because they ruined their lives. Right. And it's, and it's chasing still the so Zodiac. I watched yeah. that movie. And then I watched it again the next day. Yeah, I, I honestly, <laughs> like, it's kind of a comfort watch for me. Yeah. Like you put it on in the background and it really it makes you work harder for some reason. Because and, it and is so just the sometimes, so especially in this in the second act here, the meticulousness does keep the, the thing moving. Yeah, right. right? This is a full hour and it doesn't it, it, it's almost like a James Cameron action sequence. It's like it's really, really long and it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, yeah. It, it certainly the, doesn't feel as long as the fucking action sequence in Pearl Harbor. I can no, tell you that. No, Jesus. no, but like you watch something like Titan- end. <laughs> well, well, you watch the thing in Titanic, right? Which is like the first half I feel like is is, you know, the love story or whatever. Uh-huh, right? uh-huh. But once you actually get into like the boat hitting the iceberg on, everything is like meticulously crafted to this minute, to the yes. second yes. that it and the pace is so relentless that you're like, OK, so even if you are a Titanic head, even if you know everything that's coming, you still feel that anxiety mm-hmm. of like, yeah. oh, I know what, uh, what what it happens. It's still a surprise. Right. Same thing with Pearl Harbor. You know, the attack is coming. Right. But even if you don't know the specifics, it still hits. Well, and yeah. I think there's a couple ways that you could potentially portray that, because just talking with you guys just now about all of these different moving pieces, I completely agree with you, AJ, that there is a world in which these are different moments that each ratchet up the tension mm-hmm, because yeah. of the fact that the stakes are clear and the focus is clear. Unfortunately, this movie has all of these moments and they're not really differentiated from each other. Mm. And that's why, like, you're not entirely sure what the significance of each thing is. Yes. Rather yeah. than contributing to this ongoing sense of like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? It is just like these random things and the weight of each moment is unclear. I, I, it makes me think about because you, you had mentioned David Fincher. Yeah, I would be interested to see uh, like an Armando Iannucci version of this. There, Where it, there's there's more humor in it, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, if you've seen In the Loop, it is not dissimilar from this movie, except it's, that a, it's, it's about the Intel about, failure leading to the Iraq war. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But that all builds up. And it, the, the, the thing about in the loop is that the scope is smaller. It's yeah. more focused. True. Right. Yeah. This one, there are so many people. It's so difficult to keep track of. Right. It's hard to know where the chain of command yeah. is failing. Really, right. Because right. you don't right. know. Right. Right. Yeah, all these white people look the well, same. And, and they there's sure do. so many important people who are not on screen. Who are never on screen. And you're just like, well, and they're the ones who are actually the most important people, mm-hmm. which is part of what they're trying to do is showing like the people who know what's up and can't get it across. And then the people who don't know, but you need a little bit more of the people you don't know. Right. Because right. then that gives you even more conflict too of someone yeah. who is resisting or rejecting something. But uh, the other thing is that now that we're just in this, this, this full hour and change of action and destruction and bombing and violence is that, it still has 
a more conservative sensibility with how it portrays violence. Yeah, this is a G-rated movie. Yeah. Oh my God, really? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, okay. if it were released today, it would be PG, but like- it, yeah, There's yeah. men on fire. Yeah. There's- but or like, maybe even PG-13. But like, you know, you'll have guys standing next to a window, right? There's the por- part where the mess hall gets like bombed, but it doesn't look like the building itself gets bombed. It's like the bomb falls in front of it. Right, right. You know, it's 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 stylized in a dry way. There, I, When I was writing the note, it's like the violence just doesn't really feel all that violent. It's not kinetic, no. yeah. And then when I wrote that note, as I was like mid-sentence, they, they show one bomb get dropped on a ship and it blows a guy's hat off. Yeah. And you see it's a real shockwave that actually hits yeah. that stuntman. And then yeah. it cuts to him falling off of the ship. That is one of the most like shocking things. It is. A, it's, a, it's such a vibrantly violent mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um, and you don't really have another like it well, in the you, rest of the film. There are a couple, but you do have to like squint for them. Yeah. There's like stuff where like the planes are starting to blow up because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The violence against like machinery in this thing yeah. is brutal yeah. and awesome yeah it was it generally it feels like a like an 80s action movie like oh my god it's like the adrenaline that fucking planes well it was watching the stuntmen run away from them yeah there's one where a plane they're running out of time (laughs) yeah yeah and i was i literally wrote the note get out of there (laughs) like because they there was really like dangerous there was a plane that exploded in front of this guy and you see him like fall over and then crawl on all fours to like scurry behind cover he's not this was these stuntmen were in danger (laughs) this is one of the same second unit directors as uh the charlton heston ben-hur which also mm. has some really impressive violence in yeah. it uh, and some no, of no it one was died fake. no one died no one died nope you're wrong that's the that's the silent movie everyone no, thinks no, it's no, the no, charlton no. heston I, movie. and i said some of it was fake i didn't say anyone died no all of it was fake because the the movie where people got hurt and one actually died was the 1920s Ben-Hur, oh. not the 1950s Ben-Hur. This is a teachable moment. Yes. Mm. Yes. This is something, this is one of these things that I that I hold so dear. I'm a big fan of Ben-Hur. Sorry, guys. Right. Well, uh, and, and this is this the is, author of that book, former governor of New Mexico. Mm. But um, this that, is such that a beautiful, did not have, teachable moment. Yeah. It reminds me of like the conclusion of a, a Pearl Fartber play, you know, yeah, where, yeah. Like, where everyone just comes together yeah, and, yeah. And, they, and, they, and yeah, and someone lectures them on the fact that there were no <laughs> horses or humans who were killed on that set it's just a carryover from the 1920s production right the director was very mad he kept getting asked in press conferences how many people and he's like you know what fuck it 50 (laughs) horses died and so did three stuntmen are you happy that's the farper play that won the pulitzer right yeah 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 Yeah. her worst one (laughs) why is it always the worst one that wins the pulitzer it's a cast of 26 <laughs> that just reminds me of the and this is not a joke the time that i saw you uh eugene o'neill's strange interlude yeah yeah, yeah. which is like a fucking a, four hour long it's play it's not a good it's play so bad four yeah. hours is on the shorter end for eugene oh, o'neill though yeah, it's like there was beyond pro- the horizon is like five and a half there was a production that actually that of strange interlude that went up in new york i think i want to say like eight or nine years ago mm. that was uh i think five and a half hours yeah. long yeah, and yeah. it wasn't because of the text it was because of the screaming and the <laughs> long pauses I, I saw moon for the misbegotten uh, sure. At Williamstown with Audra and her husband mm. Will Swenson. Oh, Mormon, nice Mormon film star Will Swenson. Right. Yes, and that is a short play. They had cut at least forty minutes of text wow. out of it. It was three hours long, Ooh. and I don't know, boys. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point that, where that, play, that play is just hanging out. There's man. a that's point vibes. where they're talking about an ice pond, and it's like, yeah, that's where you used to get your ice was from a dedicated pond, I guess. And then they they make <laughs> a guy wet. And then 
and and then the that's like 45 minutes and we just keep <laughs> going it was a it was a beautiful set though designed by Ming Cho Lee. Oh, yeah, nice. that I helped construct. Oh wow! Yeah, for, for and how much for no you paid money? for that? That was my question. <laughs> no money, negative money, because I paid to be there. Oh God! Broadway's back. Broadway's back. Broadway's back. And Williamstown is not. <laughs> yep. And you know what else isn't back? Mm. Pearl Harbor. True. No, but we, we will rebuild. And here and here's where things get get a little bit weird. Is mm. that as much as I don't like the movie Pearl Harbor by Michael Bay, he is at least making artistic choices. Sure. Yeah. This, this film is mostly just kind of, it's trying not to. It's, it's trying, trying, literally trying not, not to. to. Well, and, it doesn't want to bias you. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. interesting that it is very true that you can manipulate somebody to feel any particular way through the yeah. language of film. Right. Yeah, of course. And the purpose of this project is, is to be as detached and objective as possible throughout. Yes. And so mm-hmm. even the action sequences, which are really pretty impressive and involved actual planes blowing up, including a plane that they like spin up and it's going down the tarmac and it explodes. It's crazy. Like, yeah. There, there's a plane. So there's, there's a section here where American bombers that are called in are coming in. And this is part of right. the confusion with the radar. They're like, oh, you're just seeing the American bombers right. that are, that are re- relocating. And one of them can't get its gear down. Uh, because it's getting shot at by the Americans now and it's like there's just Japanese planes all around right. it yeah. and the others kind of peel off and land in other places and it can't get all of its gear down. So it's just landing lopsidedly and has to sort of crash land. That's real footage of a plane that couldn't get its gear out in yep. San Diego. Yeah. And they were just like, get the camera rolling, get the camera rolling. Can we land wow. it? Cool. Let's land it. Yeah. Yeah. And they and and they did and they did and it's really striking that yeah. you see the propeller bent bend yeah. on itself in a way that you just wouldn't if this were like staged in yeah. any right. way. Yeah. When they're trying to get the landing gear get down, uh, yeah. they have they send their like little technician guy down to like wheel down, yeah, turn the crank, turn the crank and wheel the thing down. And That's another one of those scenes where like the intention there from an acting perspective is not what is required. No, <laughs> no, no, no. So so here's the thing. Looks though. like he doesn't even try. <laughs> yeah, not not at all. Uh, God forbid I ever find myself in a combat scenario because I would be that guy sure. who would come back and be like. Crank's not working. <laughs> and they're like, did you try? And I'm like, I guess. And then he goes and tries again. He comes back. He's like, mm, it's still not working. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't land the plane. But I tried. <laughs> I'm trying so hard, That really guys. is the vibe of that guy. <laughs> Come on. I'm so tired. <laughs> it's like if they cast like Don Knotts to play the role or something. <laughs> oh, crank just won't go. Uh, I tried everything. I put my whole weight in. To it. <laughs> but of course, the other piece of this is the exploding ships, right? Yeah. Now, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One important piece here, and they they make note of this at multiple points, is that th- the intention of this attack was to destroy all of these American carriers that were stationed at Pearl Harbor, thus destroying the U.S. Navy's ability to project power into the Pacific Ocean. However, yeah. All but one of the carriers were actually out of harbor at that time. Yeah, just shit luck for the Japanese there. Like yeah. it was just it just happened to be that way. But they were able to block the harbor. Like there's a point where you can see the pilots are all like, OK, like, bomb this one right yeah. now, because then that way it's going to stop up everything. But 
they yeah, they don't get to do what they were hoping that they could accomplish. So what we do get, of course, is the destruction of all of these destroyers and battleships. Yeah. And yeah. what I would be curious to hear from from both of you is like, how did you feel about these scenes particularly as compared to Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. A lot of the stuff turned into slapstick for me just because so much of it was very staged. The close-ups of guys on the ships. The close-ups of, of yeah. guys on the ships. I think that there's just, again, we're, we're just getting this very like dioramic view of Pearl mm-hmm. Harbor. So we don't get the specificity of uh, Bay's portrayal of things. Yeah. Uh, uh, case in point, the character of Doris Dory Miller, who is the cook very famously. Yeah. And who, we see who, Dory Miller here well, well, too. And that's what yeah. I'm saying. Dude. Yeah. You yeah. missed him. Oh, well, of course you would. Because it's just like, it's, it's just some guy. Yeah. It's, it's like, if you know Dory Miller or if you've like read the book and know the exact sequence of events, you will see a black man that's who cute. goes and mans the gun. But that's Cuba Gooding Jr. in the Pearl Harbor. Which they build up his whole day right, leading yeah, up right. to it and they lead up to his like very heroic, I'm taking you down yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And in this one, it's just another sailor who sure. runs up to a gun and shoots at the yeah, sky. He very just, well may have been an extra, like yeah. paid a yeah. day rate. Like yeah, that's yeah. it. He, he has no lines. He yeah. just he just takes it and he shoots. And I, I think that's just sort of indicative of the whole different approach, right? Is that Bay is interested in these very bombastic sequences in these explosions mm-hmm. yeah. but also that there are these stock characters that are going through it yeah this film is just like we're just showing you the thing mm-hmm. and if someone registers with you that's great but yeah. it, it's not necessary for what we're if doing something happens whatever <laughs> uh, like i think because also we, we talked about this with like bay and the 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 immense violence that you see the the sort of portrayal of america as the victim of this violence that is our perspective on Pearl Harbor at the time that Bay's movie comes out mm-hmm. is like, look at this horrible thing that was done to us. Look right. at all of this suffering that was incurred to us by our enemies. And this movie is more interested in the the intelligence failure. This yeah. movie is more interested in just like, here's where it is. And so it's it's a lot more tasteful. I think it's worried, too, about the, the, the families of the survivors. Right. You know, you get the sense of the men who drowned trapped in the ship as it capsized you don't right. actually really watch the ship even watch the, the ship Arizona. capsize yeah you see yeah. men in a room there's a lot of water coming in right you see one guy get out you see a bunch of flames and that's 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 the extent of it right. it's sort of right. playing off of that generational too, that generational knowledge of what happened at Pearl Harbor. Right. Yeah. You're filling they in the blanks. You don't need blanks. to be told what happened in the USS yeah. Arizona. Yeah. yeah. And I actually do think that is effective because my brain did fill in what happened because sure. I've seen the film Titanic and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's like, I've, I've been to Pearl Harbor. I've, I did the whole tour. And I know you, you went out yeah. over the Arizona. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, and, how, you, you went to Pearl. What do you mean you went to Pearl Harbor? It doesn't exist anymore. What? Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's continuity. It was. I do. I do. I do think it was very interesting that the guy you you said who crawled out of there and went and like to go tell the captain that the the bottom was flooding. He was like, yeah. <laughs> the bottom of the Arizona is flooding, and the captain's like, have you tried like I don't know releasing the water? <laughs> 
There's so much of it. <laughs> we're listing seven degrees to I, starboard. We're, we're listing seven. It's going to eight degrees. <laughs> I think we should have. I think. I think the, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I, you, 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 you broke me. The, the you broke you? Yeah, the stupefaction. <laughs> the other extra, by the way, who I really, really like in this movie <laughs> is yeah. the guy who mans the captain's wheel. And he's just oh, yeah. putting one hand up and oh, one he's hand doing down. Straight he's up. He's just, That's it's straight up like you watch uh, any any movie from so the forties through the sixties so where good. someone's driving a car and they're just moving yep. their hands like a goddamn maniac. And it's like you would not be <laughs> moving the you, wheel this much. They taught you that at Juilliard. <laughs> they taught you that in school back then. If you're driving a car, that's you right. really gotta sell it to them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thanks, Paul Lind. What was that? <laughs> you gotta sell it. <laughs> Listen, I was driving Shasha Gabor around right before she was dating Henry Kissinger. And let me tell you, that coochie, you could smell it from the back seat. That's very misogynistic, but that's what Paul Lynn was Paul like. did. I, I, I don't, I don't agree. No, I, I, look, we don't endorse him. It's just, you know, he like, was, you know, you, you, even if you stand your queens, you understand yeah. that they're problematic. Well, here's the thing, you know, gay men can also be misogynistic. That's true. I think we've all learned a valuable lesson today. <laughs> that really is the lesson of Pearl Harbor when you think about it. Yeah. You know, Speaking of misogyny, yeah. I love the scene. Admiral where, Husband. Where yeah, Admiral it's husband. not Admiral Husband. It's the mm. other guy. Um, he's like driving. Admiral wife. The, he, yes, he is driving. He's having his wife drive him around. Oh, he's yeah. like, shut up and drive, woman. <laughs> Again, they're trying to do a joke and they just can't. Right. Yeah, right. no, she hands him a hot dog at one point, which I thought was just deeply strange. <laughs> I feel like, where does she get the hot yeah, dog? I think there's just like missing scenes. He's got a Coke. Cut. He's yeah. just got a bottle he's of Coke. He's got a bottle yeah. of Coke. Uh, uh, there's also Coca-Cola, to be clear. Well, and I'm, I'm sure this is something that like if you read the books that this is based on. Yeah. Uh, there's probably some really interesting recounting of his day where he's trying to get these I this intel to these people and, like, and, and literally driving dog. around the city right. of Washington, D.C. But the problem is a hot dog and a Coca-Cola. That's yeah. a whole story. Yeah. Right. Like right. And, and you would need to, to make a movie work it's with my that movie. piece. Yeah. Yeah. You would need to make a movie that is mostly about that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, it's just about everyone, everywhere, all at once. This is oops all stories. Yeah, yeah that guy's story is just Batman with the bomb. And then there's nuns, you? and yeah. there's ducks, and then there's a hot dog. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. I, uh, <laughs> oh my God, JC. A bomb. <laughs> a bomb. There was, I, 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 maybe it was just the brightness on my TV, yeah. but there were entire things that I'm pretty sure were just like, they, they, they just filmed like the sea at night and there's just nothing. No, you can they, see nothing. It is, okay. It's so a little bit awake. Yeah. No. I mean, look, I have, I have a LG OLED TV, which Me allows too. for true blacks. Uh, and I make sure to calibrate my display in such a way that I'm able to see the full detail of the cinematic picture. And Ad I couldn't fucking see shit. <laughs> Admiral, my TV doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Have you tried like calibrating it again? <laughs> mm, no. That sounds really That's hard. hard. That's hard. The, scene, the scene of the guy, you know, turning the crank on the plane, yeah, uh, or failing to, reminds me a I lot. I love turning of, crank on plane. It's true, you do. I've been on planes with you. Um, <laughs> I make that bathroom look like Ong's hat. Come on. <laughs> so that scene, yeah, the guys, turning the crank or trying to on the plane, right? Yeah, He's which cranking you out. famously have done. No bits about no. Mm -mm. that have maybe gotten cut. We'll see. <laughs> 
I think you should at least what keep it, turning the bathroom at all. That I think that, that I think pretty that's pretty good. What it reminds me of is Doctor Strangelove, and yes. all oh. the scenes on the plane, yes. including the 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 hardware mal hardware malfunctions, the the yeah. equipment malfunctions, mm -hmm. the yeah, things yeah. that aren't, aren't firing correctly or releasing correctly. The difference here is that. In those scenes, Kubrick does such an amazing job of really feeling like you're inside that bomber. Oh, it's so claustrophobic. It's yeah, tight, yeah. tight, yes, tight. Yes. And here it's like a Hollywood set. It's yes. a big yes. rectangular well, space that is, you know, got plain stuff. It this is a catch problem, 22 a little bit. This is a problem yeah. with all of the scenes that are inside of a canopy yeah. where uh, it just doesn't feel real at all. Mm -mm. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't even feel like the relative tightness of like Star Wars. Right. No, 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 years no. Later. no, no. But I, I do feel that like it's a little bit more effective in the Japanese planes because there's just more people in there. So uh -huh, it does sure. feel more crowded. But you're right. It does not feel like something like Top Gun, for example, which right. yeah. makes you really feel like you're inside the cockpit. Or Top of a Gun plane. Maverick, which really yeah, makes you feel, really like makes you feel inside there. Yeah. I do think there's something that this movie does particularly well, which is it doesn't shy away uh, from the racism of the time in that it is a co-production with a Japanese uh, a company, but you mm -hmm. know, they still portray the white people as being incredibly racist, mm -hmm. which let us be very clear. They were yeah. there. Uh, there was so were the Japanese, but we just don't have as many opportunities here. Uh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, that's the thing, right? It's like their mission is much more clearly defined and yeah. they are only going to be interacting with each other. We get like a mention right. of Indochina. That's about it. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but here we get a scene where like, you know, there are messages that are being sent out. And one of the people who comes up to the desk in order to get one of those messages to like deliver it to one of the captains or whatever is in fact like a Japanese American. Yes. And the little boy. Yeah, the little boy. And yeah. there's like a moment of tension. Yeah, that was that was where, interesting. Where he yeah. where, where the guy's like, I don't know if I want to give you this note or not and he didn't even say it it's just yeah. it's just yeah. a look it was all in just a look and of course they use the slur throughout the course of it that was uh, you for the know, japanese yeah. for the for the japanese throughout it is jarring but it does feel like it's it's, it's, it's a part of the exactly world what right. they were saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and again because they're going for that documentary feel but i do think stuff like just the, the giving the look for example to the to the mm -hmm. little boy that was something that they added for artistic value and i think mm -hmm. that very true yeah, and I, I do think that that uh, is a very... It, I was shocked to see it, honestly, yeah. in, in, in a film that is usually, like, shown in schools, you mm -hmm. know? Like, I think that's most people's exposure to Tora and, Tora And, it's, Tora. and it's, yeah. it's, you know, you don't see these guys around the neighborhood. You don't see these guys at home. You yeah. know, you, it's just like it's this interaction that is not kind of the characteristic interactions that you've been seeing throughout this movie. Right. And then this little tiny moment happens, but it sticks with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, because it is a moment of silence Silence, and it is a moment that is very well acted, I think, yeah. too. Uh, not like that radar dish. Not like not that like radar, radar dish. Not Rosencrantz and Guildenstern trying to find a phone. <laughs> and also not like, uh, to, to the point of the uh, scenes on the ships, there's one part where there's a ship that's about to go down, and there's a guy who just goes, abandon ship, at like a just slightly <laughs> above room level volume. <laughs> it's really... This is the thing about this movie for me is yeah. I really wanted to love it. I really did because. And there are moments that I think are really quite something. Absolutely. Yeah. Part of it is just that I do like kind of old timey dad movies in many mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. I like when a movie tries to be something that is fictitious, that is still a documentary style approach. Yeah. Yeah. I think the problem for me just came down to the fact that like, there were just too many moments that felt out of place because the direction was so wildly inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. And 
even though there were so many cool technical pieces and occasional uh, artistic flourishes, it just by and large felt flat. And mm-hmm. that was frustrating. And, you know, I, I think <laughs> it's just been kind of funny recording this episode, too, because there have been so many times where we've just been like, OK, I don't feel like talking about this. Let's do yep. some bits, you yep. know, because that's also kind of what watching this movie is like. Yeah, where there will be moments that pull you in. You'll be like, whoa, that is something. And then there will be like a, a five minutes of just guys jumping and not even like, you know, in a way that appears realistic, but they're just kind of like, there's no, there's no cause and effect. You just start seeing guys jumping. You don't see, you know, bomb hits, fire spreads, the guy jumps, they're in the water, which you to its credit, you do get that sequence of events in Michael Bay's movie. Yeah, right, right. I mean, the, the biggest moment that I think sticks with me from Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor is when the ship is listing over to its yes. side and you've got all the people hanging onto the hole and then sliding down it. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Which is, you know, he stole from Cameron. Yeah, uh, sure did. You know, and, and, and after a while, the actual attack on Pearl Harbor starts to bleed together for me mm-hmm. because the first like when yeah. you first see those planes explode. Holy shit. What a trick. Yeah. Right. Like it's. It's 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 you so first, visceral. You first yeah. see a ship explode. Holy shit. What a trick. Yeah. 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 But then I, I start to lose track of what's happening mm-hmm. or like uh, there's a point where like Genda gets back to the ship and it's like, where is the second wave? Yes. And yeah. I went, what second wave? Yeah. What are you talking about? And then there's apparently this whole betrayal where they actually and, get, and this don't is, follow this through is the on the end plan. of the movie. Oh, no We're just right. back with Japan. We started with Japan. We're yeah. ending with Japan. Um, there's the little moments where we get like they finally have declared war according to the Geneva Conventions. I didn't I don't I didn't know that Japan was a signatory of the Geneva Conventions. Well, the, the, oh, my God. There's that whole subplot with the ambassador yeah. to America. They, where do, they deliver he the betrays his friend. He yeah. betrays his friend. He pretends he everybody betrays betray whole. me. Yeah. Um, and they deliver the declaration of war like an hour late after yeah, the, base the guy been is a yeah. slow typist. Right, right, right. <laughs> This has also been playing Pearl Harbor as a tragedy for Japan, right? right. Because mm. this is a thing that is basically suicide that, that they really don't want to do because it doesn't make strategic sense. They should be shoring up their re- if they're also fighting. They're putting the war on two fronts. Right. Right. If you're also trying to take Manchuria and everything else and seize all of that, then you got to focus your attention west. And you got to focus your attention south. They're also going east. And you're only going to have a chance at really decimating the United States Navy if you can pull off destroying all of those carriers, yep. which they couldn't and they couldn't do. do. And they, they didn't know where gone. they were. Yeah. They, they knew did, that going yeah. into it. And if they did launch the second wave, a lot of their planes would have been shot down. They right. wouldn't have taken a single carrier because they didn't know where they were. Right. Yeah. Because you see the the, Na- the U.S. Navy getting more and more prepared and more and more able to shoot down the planes. And it's just not going to be a good story if they launch the second wave. And so they there is this moment of tension where you see Yamamoto is just not going to do it, not right. going to do it, not going to do it. Yeah. And they resolutely turn back around and go home. And then you have that final moment where he talks about the sleeping giant. Right. Yeah. Right. And how this is going to be bad for them. And because everyone does. applauds it, him. It, yeah, yeah. It turns very bad for Japan very quickly. Right. We're at right. war with them for a long time, but it's 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 they're they're in shabby shape after not too long. And this movie knows that it doesn't need to portray some 
naval mission that oh, no one remembers. God for that. No, because then it cuts back to America finally right. for the credit roll. Right. And you yeah. just see the fire and destruction. Right. Everything yeah. left behind. And every and everything they're gonna have to clean up and then it blares, you know, the Torah 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 yeah. uh, theme, which is just this very striking couple of notes. Yeah. Uh and yeah, that's the end of the film. Uh, and then the credits roll and you see all 900 people who are in it. And uh, which is you, pretty cool. I, I do yeah. like that in America, the American director gets the top build credit. And in Japan, they flip the credits around so that the Japanese directors get the top um, build credit and he gets the credit for the American sequences. Weirdly enough, the credits are still in English. Uh, like it really was this thing created in the spirit of true cooperation uh, between Japan and the United States. It's a movie that did not do well when it came out. No, Roger was, Ebert fucking hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's worth noting, too, that didn't like boobs in it. Right. Yeah. That it's late 60s, early 70s, Vietnam. Right. That's what everyone is thinking about. Right. right. MASH comes out the same year. It's about Korea, but it's not. It's about Vietnam. Right. right. right? Patton comes out this same year. Uh, the Green Berets came out two years earlier. This John Wayne's absolute fucking dog shit ass movie about how yeah. great it is that America is killing Vietnamese people. And it ends with the sun setting over the Vietnamese coast. Which is in the east. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Of course. Roger Ebert gave that movie zero stars, yeah. right? So there's a there's right. a principled stance because we're in the middle of this absolute catastrophe. Yeah. And uh Tor Tor Tora is a dispatch from a conservative set, from an older generation, from people who want to From the greatest generation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From people who are Making a, a slightly different point. They're, but, they're going down the middle of the road with it. Yeah. But, but I think that there's no way to look in the same way that like William Daniels didn't want to get involved in 1776. Right. 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 right, right. It's like this war is going on. Why we should we glorify need, these yeah, people? Yeah. We don't need yeah. a bunch of fifes and trumpets and right. flag waving. But that's what Mama Look Sharp is in there for. That's exactly. the point. Yeah. You don't get anything like that in this movie. The, the, and there could be. There could be a Mama Look Sharp moment. Totally yeah. could be. Yeah. yeah, maybe there should be. I don't know. And and I think you could interpret with the, the Japanese side of the movie being like, oh, yeah, here is the great tragedy of getting involved in a war that you have no business being right, involved in. Right, right. You've got your own incursions that you're dealing with. And now you're attacking someone that you shouldn't. And that all of this is coming from the hubris of empire. Yeah. Right. That yeah. like if, if they had actually expressed the reality of Japan's desire to basically control the entirety of, of East Asia and the entire area all the way down to the South Pacific, then, yeah, like maybe they could have gotten there. But yeah. they chose not to. And I think part of it was just the political realities. Like and when I say political, I mean, like the actual politics of working with another country yeah. that has its own vested interest in seeing its military portrayed in a specific way. You know, you have to deal with that. And there's also the interpersonal politics of it as well. Yeah. So it's a it's a strange movie. I, I've never really seen a movie that is weird in this yeah. specific way. It's weird in yeah. a very boring way. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but but occasionally, like, you know, it, it does sing. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually really digging it in the first like 
20 minutes Me or too. so yeah. Yeah. because it, it was really kind of well, moving it's along just the Japanese stuff in the first 20 yeah, minutes yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That. and it's all about like the it's all about this history that I just didn't history really and, ever and know there's about. like yeah there's and, all this procedure and everything and procedure is really fun to watch especially when it's uh, unfamiliar to you because then you can you can study its intricacies and how it's different from what you know and yeah, it's just, right. like it, it really does shine and also I think the Japanese actors are just superior to the American actors yeah. by a country oh, yeah, you get a like country a, mile I mean you get Joseph Cotton in this movie and he doesn't do fucking shit it's they like you are in Citizen Kane <laughs> <laughs> do you think that Pearl Harbor is a story that is adaptable or do you think that it is just one of those kind of events that like will never fully congeal around a good story I mean we're gonna have more years to find out yeah but I, that's I, true I, I think well, call your shot. Yeah, <laughs> I think that to portray what happened in its entirety will never make for an interesting story in terms of like a movie or like a piece of narrative media. Right. Yeah. Um, because I think that an interesting narrative requires characters, tension and forward movement. And it requires that the stakes of anything that is going on be relevant to the characters in question so that we are able to sort of go along with them. That's why you need yeah. a love triangle. <laughs> that's right. Brian. That is. That's why. <laughs> well, no, I think, I think there are stories. That can, there are other Pearl Harbor movies. There are older Pearl Harbor movies. This movie has gained its reputation over the years because it gets shown in classrooms. Right. It gets shown on TV. It was, it was yeah. always in circulation on AMC and the special features actually have a couple of AMC produced like documentaries uh, for the oh, movie. Oh, shit. I uh, think they still show it on TCM sometimes. Uh, I, yeah, bet. I, I, yeah. mean, I mean, do they, has this movie sort of been supplanted by Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor? What no, do they, no, what do they show, no. what do they show so, in schools now? I guess it's still Tora 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 if they're going to show the, something. Yeah, if they're yeah. showing anything because other than like a documentary. Yeah. Even though it's boring, it does, you do come away it's from it correct. having yeah. learned something about what's going on. You know, yeah. you are not learning a counterfactual version of history. If I showed this to my students, which I have, all those students mm. of mine, mm. uh, I would then make them write a research essay on the goofs. Oh, the goofs. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 You, you would literally then have to read 30 versions of the IMDb. Goof <laughs> Those page. airplanes weren't made by Mitsubishi. I Teacher, think... I wanted to write the essay. But it was <laughs> hard. I think that the thing about Pearl Harbor that is so interesting to me is that you can learn a lot about America at different points in time and learn about different kinds of Americans in terms of how they interpret this event. Mm -hmm. And it's one that, yeah, the conspiracy, and maybe at some point we'll talk about the conspiracy theory side of things, but those are less interesting. You know, it's sort of like how people talk about Shakespeare scholarship. The authorship question is not that interesting. Like you either play around with it or you don't, but then you're not really talking about the interesting things about the subject. Right, right, right. With Pearl Harbor and the role that it plays in our society and the role that it plays generationally, uh, you know, whether you're someone who fought or whether you were someone who's anti-war, you know, whether it's 1970 or 1941 or 1946 or 2007, we're always kind of drawing something else from it. It's a day that's supposed to live in infamy because it's like one of the biggest embarrassments that the United States ever faced after like, I don't know, Little Bighorn. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, and Little Bighorn yeah. isn't, it, you know, isn't some atrocity. It's just a battle where we really got owned and then everyone talked about it again for right. the next 150 years. Yeah. And right. then, and then the only real other analog to it obviously is 9 11. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. And in but in the American psyche, the idea that Pearl Harbor, we were attacked. Right. Which then jostled us into doing the right thing, yeah. which was stopping the Holocaust. Yes. Right. Yeah. There it is a redemption to this. the sleeping giant and into the awake giant. Yes. The yes. woke, the woke giant. The oh. Pearl Harbor made us woke. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the only way that Pearl Harbor can be told as a good, like interesting story like in terms of just a narrative, a fictional narrative is unfortunately you do have to, it has to be Japanese mm. because it is that, that is the per, that is the group that wanted something and then got the thing. It yeah. is not reactionary in and the way that the American one. This is. movie was not very successful in the U S it, it did fine. It, it made back its budget at least. Yeah. Big hit in Japan. Hmm. Oh, and, I'd imagine. And one of the, one of the comparisons that gets drawn is with the longest day, right? That's the invasion of Normandy. We win that. Right. Yeah. We we do better. So it's it's something that's fun to celebrate. And I think it's something where Japan is now demilitarized, right? They don't have an army and navy they or an air force. They have the self-defense right. naval for whatever. They're constantly occupied by the United States and they will remain so for as long as uh, history keeps moving in the direction that it does. Sure. Much to the chagrin of everybody in Okinawa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But this was like a moment in 1970 where they're able to acknowledge a victory of theirs. Yeah. And it's one that's like, yeah, it's against a military target. It, they're playing dirty, but it's at least not like Nanjing. Right. Or like yeah. any of the just straight up fucking atrocities. This isn't about right. like doing the, the baton death march. No, they, these were military targets. They mm-hmm. actively did not try to kill civilians. I yeah. mean, they did. Because they didn't that- bomb a hospital like in the Michael Bay movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> or in Gaza. Yep. This is something that in a way portrays the attack on Pearl Harbor as something that was, if not a noble act, at least something that came from a place of, I don't know, honor, maybe, for lack of a better way of putting it. And when you look at what the Japanese empire actually was and what this action was in service of, it kind of leaves you feeling a little bit uncomfy, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. There's that moment where Yamamoto uh, is sitting with his eyes closed before the attack actually begins. And it's like, they're like, sir, sir, it's about to happen. And it zooms in on his face and he's, he's he has his eyes closed. And then the attack happens and he opens his eyes and stares right into the camera. Mm-hmm. And it gave me chills because mm-hmm. it's, this, I mean, first of all, brilliant moment of acting, but it was, you were seeing the wrath of the Japanese empire awaken in front of you of this imperialist army you saw the wrath of the atrocities that they committed against the koreans and against the chinese all in this one look yeah and it's interesting to think of pearl harbor as a piece of japanese myth making something that we have much less of a window on yeah right in the yeah we're all stupid americans like we're all waving through the growth of the the japanese empire at the absolute height of it as it's sowing the seeds of its own destruction in a matter of years and how the engagement with America is given so much attention, you know, and how they make this movie about what's happening in America. And it's just not, they're not going to make a movie about the grand tragedy of what they did in Korea or what they did in Manchuria. No, Um, that's what the Yasukuni shrine is for. Yeah. Like like there's a, there's a, a a movie that just came out that has been very controversial in Japan about a, a, an earthquake that, that struck in uh, 23. Yeah. A hundred years ago is a movie made for the hundredth anniversary of this. And it led to incredible, um, paranoia 
and and there were towns that just went and rounded up foreigners, mostly Koreans, and killed them. Uh, the movie is about what? a group of people that was rounded up and killed after this earthquake who weren't even foreigners. They were from a different part of Japan, and they just had a different accent that to the people in that village made oh, them wow. sound Korean. Holy shit. Um, and it's something that that a lot of formal education, conservative politics, uh, TV pundits don't really want to engage with at all. You know, it's like in it, the, the difficulties of like, why, you know, why does why did Germany engage with this kind of stuff? And it's not even necessarily because of the American occupation, because the American occupation didn't really push that on Japan, pushed other things. Yeah. Uh, made them Baseball. censor all their porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And a lot of that is because some of the younger generations of Germany were really the ones that started to impose it. Right. There was this this yeah. question on the German left and, and, and West Germany. This wasn't necessarily as big of a part of the East German curriculum. Sure. The, the guilt thing. Mm, right. Uh, my German teacher in high school was like, we were taught this when we were kids yeah. because it could never happen again. Mm -hmm. We could never let this happen again. And what you see in Germany now is that that generation learned that lesson, right? But the next generation was like, well, we didn't do that shit. Right. Maybe there was something yeah. to this. And now we see the rise of the far right and, in Germany. And Japan again. didn't have really any of that kind of stuff. America doesn't teach its children about its war crimes. Oh, it never. teach us jack shit. Like, yeah. Korea is just like the thing where we talk about how it's the forgotten war, but it's just because we're supposed to honor the veterans right, over right, there right, who, right. who bravely served in Iceland and then did a game show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Rip like, grandpa. <laughs> with 11 years of an anti-war show, you know, the MASH being on TV and being about Korea and sort of being about Vietnam, it still just kind of comes across as anti-war yeah. rather than anti- the very deliberate decisions that we made as an empire upon the soil of another country that has a reverberating effect to this day. Right. Korea cannot still open its borders. Right. With with yeah. North Korea, there still cannot be any free passage. And why? Because the U.S. didn't like the terms of the deal. Right. Yeah. And we got to call the shots. It's it's this interesting thing where we cannot engage with the 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 real the real politics, the real politique, you know, right? Kissinger is just supposed to be the statesman, the really smart guy. God, it always he fucking comes back idiot. to Kissinger, doesn't it? Does. it? He, he was around and he's, for a hundred years. Yeah. He's such an idiot. He thought the global south didn't matter. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, you see, he's a very, yeah, he's, he, he's the kind of ignoramus that drives policy, right? Yeah. And, and he murders so many fucking people. And, and maybe that's the thing that we can take away, at least this time around, is that like, the project of empire is a fundamentally foolish project, right? Yeah. It is the it's, project. It's one that builds up its own ignorance. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because the alternative would be to try to learn what it is that you don't know. And the yeah. moment that you know what you don't know, all of a sudden you stop being so bold and so headstrong. Yeah. Then you have known unknowns. Mm. And unknown unknowns and then known knowns. Thank you. Thank you, Don. And then unknown <laughs> knowns even. Thank you, Donald Rumsfeld. Appreciate that. <laughs> if well, you would like more unknown knowns. If you'd like more war criminals in your yeah. life. Yeah. Like more unknowns or perhaps another Pokemon. Clefairy. Yeah. I don't know. You know. Missing no. Ooh. No. That's, that's not a Pokemon. That's no, not a Pokemon. Uh, but it will crash your game. No, it yeah. sure will. And what won't crash your game is <laughs> our Patreon. <laughs> There we go. See? Yeah. Best in the biz. Let's Best go. in the biz. Best in the fucking biz. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash worst of all is our Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you access to plenty more great episodes just like this one. Every other week we, re we release it 
as a premium episode, so that goes behind the paywall. And we got some good shit back there from yeah. not too long ago, including uh, a very fun episode that we did with Riley Quinn of Trash Future, where we talked about fucking Neom for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Saudi yep. Arabian real estate development yeah. and how fucking weird it all is. So it's weird. like if the Cybertruck districts, it's like if the <laughs> Cybertruck was a, a, a a city. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we recorded that episode a couple weeks ago and there have already been two more projects revealed <laughs> in Neom. It's like killing hostages. It's like if you if, if you don't meet our demands, we'll announce two more, <laughs> two Neom, more Neom regions, two, two more Neoms. projects, hotels, whatever. <laughs> and Lord. the other cool thing is that you will get access to Fancy Movie Time, which is the yeah, monthly series that Brian and AJ do where they talk about movies that are fancy in nature, including most recently Mulholland Drive. So and coming up soon, the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie mm. and the exterminating angel. Our first double feature, All our right. d- double fancy feast. Getting Buñuel yeah. pilled. So check that out. And last but not least, 10 bucks a month also gets you access to Lads Cast, which is our ongoing monthly shooting the shit, totally unscripted thing. Yep. We're going to be talking more about cyberpunk because yeah. we didn't get done, really. Well, We're talking and, about and, it in the main episode. Mainly we so. wanted to talk about the, the hot new DLC. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, where it's like you're playing and all of a sudden there's bugs again. It's very fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested in hearing us talk about Phantom Liberty, check that out too. Yeah. I thought I would follow the Emperor's example, Emperor Hirohito's example in the <laughs> don't, film. No, don't do that. Oh, not, not just in, just, just and, in the movie. And die in 1989? <laughs> That's when I was born. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Um, and uh, and we're, so- oh, we're laying out the personal <laughs> effects of Emperor Hirohito in front of AJ to see if he will correctly pick the items that oh will make God. him the successor. Because oh, he's no. also a llama, I guess, in my strange mythology of the world. <laughs> I got my groove back, you know. A different kind of llama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So one L. I would like I would like to um recite some poetry for you all. Oh no. And I, I hope and I hope I, I hope that by doing so <laughs> no. you will you will understand okay. my intention and will go out into the world okay. and do my hmm. will. All right, okay. Do your will. Do your bidding. <laughs> do my bidding. Okay. Hold it now and watch the hoodwink. As I make you stop think, you'll think you're looking at Aquaman. I summon fish to the dish, although I like the chalet Swiss, I like the sushi, because it's never touched a frying pan. Hot, like wasabi when I bust rhymes. Big, uh, like Leanne rhymes, no. because I'm all about no. value. Bert Kempfert's got the mad hits. More like Bert Kempfart. It is more like that. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. You just did this because I read the Edgar Allan Poe. At the end of Mulholland Drive. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. See you next week. <laughs>